What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 155, 155, 55 of Respawn Aim Fire, the kick-ass, irreverent gaming podcast from affable idiots. I'm Chad Michael Ennis. We've got Holden Miguel Guadalupe Santana Ines Depardo over here. Hola. Look at you. Look at you all multilingual and shit. And we've got the <laughs> dream. That's all I know. The dreamiest fan base of all time joining us right now all over the world. It's you. It's you, all you lovely suckers. It's uh, Dusty Hill. It is D. and Smitty in our chat right now on Twitch. What's up, motherfuckers? A lot of people with D names like watching our show live, and you can do that too. Because every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern, you can put us in your ears in your favorite podcast service. Or you can put us in your eyes by searching for Respawn Aim Fire on YouTube. That's right, motherfucking ladies and gentlemen. We have gone into the third dimension with 2D video. And if you want to add the fourth dimension of time, you can be just like those beautiful D-name people right now watching us live, twitch.tv slash idiots. What if my fingers were dicks? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> uh, and yeah, we do that every Sunday night at about ish 8 p.m. Eastern. It's 8.20 right now, so shut your mouth. Don't complain. Suck it up. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Affable Idiots. And we will tell so you all kind about that to our later. audience. <laughs> I, uh, I have to apologize. Um, I bought a, a desk chair for work, and it swivels. So I'm swiveling back and forth right now, and I'm going to try. Oh, I think I do that every to. week anyway. So you're just you? Are club. you a swiveler? Oh, I th- I'm a swiveler, absolutely. you got to keep the visual absolutely. interesting. We don't change location at all, obviously, <laughs> while we're recording this podcast. you just got to keep the visual keep, interesting. Keep, keep your head forward. Just just move your shoulders, basically, back and forth is what it looks like. That's what it you looks like when I keep my head just forward. Just like this. Uh, Dallas says, Chad, you do not look like you've been in quarantine for three months. Thanks. I cut my own hair yesterday, so you're welcome. You cut your own hair. That's impressive. Uh, yeah, and I've only been in quarantine for two months, thank you, so this is what eating out of vagina looks like. Let's move on. Let's move on. Game Court. Attorney-based strategy for determining game character guilt, where every week we put your favorite video game characters and villains on trial for the heinous crimes they've committed. Holden and I will argue for and against the defendant, and it's up to you to decide. I'm trying to get down the visual where I'm pointing as to whether it's in frame. Up to you to decide... On Twitter in the following days, the fate of said character. Last week, we argued for Mara from Dragon Warrior 4 and whether or not she was guilty of, I don't know, stealing some shit out of a basement treasure chest. The, the ra- Dress of Radiance. Dress of Radiance. And uh, turns out, y'all found her innocent for the first time. We have a game court character who was found innocent. <laughs> 80 to 20 was found innocent. So. Yeah. I'm saying I, I how, was on that side of the uh, the argument. So. <laughs> I also wonder how much of it has to do with us both agreeing in the beginning. The man, everyone just wants to charge everyone with guilty. Like they want everyone's heads to be taken off, and then that time, just everyone goes innocent. It's just crazy. You think I brought that point up on accident? <laughs> <laughs> That's a meta shit. That's a meta lawyer shit right there. Oh, Dallas says you have a beautiful face, and he called you a handsome devil. You are a devil. Oh, I'm thank the angel. You. Let's so uh, let's so that's the thing. This week we are uh, the defendant is none other than Pac Man, Pac Person he slash him. Uh, that's Holden's joke, not mine. Let's take a look at the uh, the alleged crime. I'm going to load up our evidence right now, and here it is. Ooh, the crime right now. I didn't actually call it murder. What did I call it? 
You can call it's, it anything. You just sort of be a Pac-Man picture. Eating a go- Pac-Man eating a ghost. Uh, well, torture. The, That's what I'm, it was. It was like torture and like eating I'm a the ghost. prosecution. I, I do the charges. Okay. Well, tell us the charges. Based on this charges. evidence, which we can see, Pac-Man is about to devour a terrified-looking blue ghost. Here's my case. It's a very simple case. This is my opening statement. And it's not okay. that long because it's very blatantly obvious what is going on here. Pac-Man broke into the home of Blinky, Pinky, Inky, and Clyde, stole their pellets oh, and their food. by their nicknames, not their character names. Proud of you. And when they tried to protect it, Pac-Man <laughs> ate them. We are charged with breaking and entering and the murder of Pinky, although there is no evidence of Pinky, Inky, and Clyde being murdered by Pac-Man. They are missing. And we do have evidence of the murder of Blinky. Put two and two together, and we have a mass homicide right here. Those are my charges. Oh, I forgot. I'm the judge, too. Thank you, prosecution. Uh, Dallas already <laughs> says guilty. So, <laughs> uh, uh, All rise. <laughs> Thank you. Please be seated. And also with you. The defense, your statement, please. Hi, yes, Your Honor. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. You're looking quite handsome today. Stop it. <laughs> See me after class. Objection. Um, you can't flatter the judge like that. <laughs> sustained. All right, I take it back. Uh, <laughs> what am I on? Am I on defense? <laughs> I'm defending, right? Yes, I'm defending. Here's what. Here's Imagine this the is case. a real court. Wait, uh, a judge. Am I defending? <laughs> table should i be beside pac-man right now uh, <laughs> open and shut case your honor this is a case of self-defense what you don't see before the evidence presented you here right now is the terror the terror that was the bullying of these ghosts chasing pac-man non-stop around the schoolyard pac-man having to run for his life eat pellets starving for food getting cherries anytime he can and only when he was able to find something to defend himself, that super pellet, was he able to finally turn the tides of the battle, the fight, the bullying, the torture from these ghosts and put them in their place. He did not murder these ghosts. Nay, he merely scared them back to their little hovel in the middle of the game board. And he taught them a lesson. Your Honor, we may not be able to speak for the whereabouts of those other remaining ghosts right now, but rest assured, Pac-Man had nothing to do with their disappearance. I rest my case. You're out of order. Defense, what do you have to say? I mean, prosecution, what do you have to say? I mean, this is nonsense. I mean, if you think about them, Pac-Man, trying to defend himself in Blinky, Pinky, Inky, and Clyde's home, this doesn't hold up. You can't have self-defense when you're invading someone else's home, taking their stuff, eating their food. The only ones acting in self-defense were poor Blinky, Pinky, Inky, and Clyde. And they don't even get to say their thoughts on this matter. First of all, I'm pretty Pac-Man. sure you just named two of those as Teletubbies. <laughs> no, I looked it I looked it up. Blinky, Pinky, Inky, Clyde, it does only Teletubbies, though, you're right. That doesn't change the fact that they were brutally murdered by Pac-Man, and I rest my case. Thank you. Defense, what are your closing statements? But she didn't say anything new. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it is up to you, audience, you wonderful, wonderful lifelong friends out there. Go to twitter.com slash respawnaimfire. Check the poll. Vote for whether or not you think Pac-Man is innocent or guilty of whatever the fuck we're charging him with this week. 
So in the, if this was a real court case, there'd be the rec- the record keeper in the back with the little typewriter thing typing out and really just wrote defense. Bitch, he ain't say anything new, period. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, Dusty says he's the fifth Ghostbuster. You cannot you cannot interject yourself in this court case, sir. That is a mistrial. <laughs> if I come out on the wrong side of this, I'm calling a mistrial. Uh, and yes, it is a Beat Saber shirt. Thank you for noticing. Holden, let's move on to playtime, where we talk about what the hell we played this week, and we have got some big things to talk about. We do, yeah. Here's the thing. You and I both played the same two games all week. Do you want to talk about Animal Crossing first, and my impressions on Animal Crossing, or do you want to talk about Resident Evil 3? I'm I'm dying to know your impressions of Animal Crossing. I spent this past week going, does he like it? Does he not like it? I don't know. I can't tell. And I want to know. I want to know what your thoughts are. Because this is... To kind of let everyone know who didn't listen last week, Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. every year we get the opportunity to tell the other person, hey, this is a game you you really have to play this year. And as we know, Chad's been such a huge fan of Animal Crossing in the past (laughs) (laughs) that I thought he might want to give the new one a chance. And he did. He played it. I mean, he played it all week. He joined us on game night, which we'll talk about that because Chad did the... (laughs) Did the funniest thing that's ever happened in Animal Crossing I'm ever. so funny. We'll get uh, to that, though. Chad, yeah. what are your impressions So traditionally, I've always found Animal Crossing... I've never played an Animal Crossing game before. I always found it to be boring and dumb, and you're just doing chores for a stupid raccoon. That was my opinion before I walked into Animal Crossing. All the hullabaloo about this, though, and everyone I know getting it and playing together... Not gonna lie, I had some FOMO. Seeing you guys be like, show me your apples! I'm like, I just got my peach, you want it? <laughs> I was like, damn it, that sounds so sexy, and I want in. Um, so when you told me, honestly, when you told me, hey, I've been thinking about making this your game, I was like, fine, fuck. Finally an excuse for me to get this game and not like, <laughs> and not feel like I gave in. Um, so let's talk about the game itself. I played for, what, like nine or ten days, something like that, because you told me a few days before we recorded the yeah. show. So I played it for like nine or ten days. I have got... I paid Which is off. more than you had to, by the way. You only had yeah, to do one well, Holden week. Holden wanted me so. to do a week, like uh, average about an hour a day. I've put, yeah. I'd say maybe about 16, 17 hours into this game. Ooh. And I played for quite a bit. I paid off my yeah. tent. I paid off my first uh, house upgrade. Um, I've put some people in. I've planted three species of tree. Shot down a ton of balloons. I opened up the museum. I started my own competing museum outside. Just made a dinosaur butts. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime I found a tail fossil, I was like, ooh, I'm keeping this one. No way, I'm donating that. And I just had this dinosaur butt museum outside. Um, uh, so here's what I have to say about the game. This game is, it's perfect. This Whoa. game, this game <laughs> has so, is every single thing about it is perfectly engineered to keep you going. There's like, oh, the tree grows fruit at kind of like just the right cadence to be like, oh, I wonder if it's there today so I could go sell it and make more money so I could buy this. And then once you get that, you're like, oh, but that would also go really cool with this thing that was in the Nook Miles store and I could go with that. Nook Miles, that that always something on the end of the fish hook, be like, oh man, I'm like three fish away from getting the 500 more Nook Miles and I might be able to buy a new haircut because we only give you six stupid or eight stupid haircuts to choose from in the beginning. <laughs> uh yeah that that little that little fish on the end of the, the pole is always there and it is perfectly injured it's like science like they like they looked into it and like what makes people tick what makes them in the middle of the night be like <gasps> i gotta go catch the butterfly 
And then they go in and they get a net and they catch the butterfly. <clears throat> um, there are there are a few like the online is terrible. The way that the online yeah. works, like you can only have one person entering or leaving an island at a time, and with every single time, it's like ninety seconds of disruption for everybody on the island. <laughs> so it was stupid. cute the first time, and then when you have to bring like a bunch of people to your island at once, you realize, oh no, this is really frustrating. It was cute at first, but like it's overstated. It's welcome for sure. Yep. Um, yeah. There was a picture I saw on I don't know Kotaku or something like that of like eight people hanging out at a party on an island. It's like, man, that must have taken 30 minutes to organize and get all eight people there. <laughs> you laugh, but it took us about that to get it organized for game night. It took about it 30 did. minutes. It yeah. did. So yes, I when I when I say I'm going to commit to something, I go balls deep. I, I do it 100%, and I did. I even played, we did the Animal Crossing game night on Friday, and yeah. we got there. The game was, Holden had set up an uh, uh, elaborate little scheme where everyone goes and you hide, you bring a present and you wrap it. And then uh, everyone goes and hides it one at a time, and everyone has to look for it. You find it, and then at the end, we do a Yankee swap with all the presents. It was a, it was a nice little Animal Crossing idea. What I didn't tell everyone is that uh, while we were waiting for everyone to jump on, log in, I hadn't in, told anyone we were doing it, by the way. No one had known what <laughs> my plan was yet. <laughs> oh, God. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> Holden's got this big beautiful town with all this shit all over it and it's great so I'm like I'm just gonna randomly plant my fruit that I have I'm just gonna give him a bunch of little trees <laughs> and so I did that planted around 20 trees all around yep. town without him noticing and then finally he's like wait a minute who's somebody planted a pear tree who was that and then I couldn't hold in the laughter and I was like what are you talking about and they all found out it was me what they didn't know is that after I ran out of fruit I was like I'm just going to keep burying everything I have. I'm going to bury this ladder. <laughs> I found a seashell on the ground. I'm going to bury that. I'm going to bury my axe and this net and this pole vault. <laughs> I just buried everything I had in my inventory all over the island. <laughs> and then it came time to play. And then Holden's like, all right, everyone get your gift. And I was like, what if I don't know which hole? It what if I don't know where my gift is? And he's like, well, I, I buried it. He's like, we well, just go find it. It's like, what if I also buried everything else and I don't remember which hole is which? <laughs> also, we had to go through and collect everything because then it'd be confusing as which was a present that was left and what was like a shell that <laughs> right. Chad had just randomly decided to bury in the middle of the beach. Oh, man. And then we left all the trees because that's you can see the little sprout coming up but then yep. after game night ended i'm like i i'm like ocd about this i gotta like clean up all the trees and shit before i go to bed or before actually it's before i played um uh, um warzone with with matt and i'm like just give me like just give me like five minutes i'm just gonna go around the town and and dig up all the trees it took me 30 minutes to find every <laughs> single one of them because <laughs> they're like behind buildings we had to get the right angle to see it properly they were yep. everywhere i was good i was good <laughs> Oh man, but uh, so yeah, I played it a lot. I participated, and at the end of the day, I didn't think anything I did in that entire game was worthwhile. <laughs> I got like <laughs> I got sixteen, seventeen hours into that game, and I was just and I picked it up this morning, and you guys were like, "I'm gonna go buy turnips and sell them for this much," and blah blah. And I was like, "Let me go check the turnip price." And it's like a hundred and two. You know what? I don't I don't care. Price. I'll buy them at a hundred two. And it's like, no, I'm not gonna fucking buy them because I'm just gonna buy money, and then my house is gonna get a little bit bigger. I'm gonna work for some items, and I'm gonna have to look good. And I was like, "But I don't even like any of the people on this island with me right now. I don't want anyone else here. I'm not even gonna worry about making their shit look pretty." It's like, at the end of the day, I'm just like, 
literally this game time goes by so quickly i the very first night i started playing it, i was like all right let me just get set up and i'll start and then three hours and blink of an eye and I'm like fuck it's been three hours i gotta go to bed i gotta get up for work in the morning whatever i don't remember but time go it just it is a time suck and then i didn't feel like i didn't feel proud of anything that i had done <laughs> or that it was time well spent so uh i'm done i'm done with it but i'm glad i experienced it i have an appreciation for the gameplay mechanics and how perfectly it's like it's like gambling without any stakes except for your time. You're just throwing your <laughs> oh, no, time tur- at the deal. Oh no, there are stakes with those turnips. If you lose money on those turnips, it's a big deal. You're right, you're right. Holden, <laughs> I swear to God, you like jizzed over text message when you found out that turnips could sell for five hundred dollars and you're like, Oh, oh man, I make so many millions of money. I made I took a screenshot of it. I made one point nine nine six million bells. It was so satisfying. <laughs> Proud of you. <laughs> Basically made two billion bells. Um, but yeah, yeah I that asked, was I think awesome. I asked you and Brent two weeks ago when mm-hmm. he was on the show. I was like, do you when you play this game, do you feel fulfilled? I think is what I asked. Like, do you feel fulfilled? Like this is something that's like worthwhile? And at the end of the day, I could not answer yes to that question. So mm-hmm. like, I, just, I just don't care enough about having a, a shirt that I want or like a cool picture on the wall because at the end of the day, I'm like, I don't give a shit what any of this looks like. And I don't care if you guys come see my island because I don't give a shit about anything on my island. But I do give a shit about getting more Nook Miles so I can buy more shit for my island because I care about the process of getting there, but I don't care about the end result because the process yeah. is so good. And it's like, it's, it's, it is that same mentality of for gambling. It's like, oh man, but I could win. Or oh, what if I bet all this? Was, yeah. I went back and I was watching some like earlier like Animal Crossing New Leaf videos and I was thinking like holy shit and hearing you like talk about this I was kind of I was on the same line as you were like I feel like if you had played New Leaf you would have fucking hated New Leaf because it doesn't have any of that stuff it is purely just make your house nice that is that is what New Leaf is I think that if there and was you can't even like share that with other play, people right because it didn't really have an online. No, it had an online, and it's it. not that much different. There's a train you get on instead of a plane. Like it's not that much different. Um, but yeah, I think you would have fucking loathed that experience. So I'm glad that this game has refinements that at least made it t- uh, better for you throughout <laughs> the week. And I'm proud of you for putting in that much time. I did not expect you to put 16 hours. I'm actually really floored to hear that. Um, oh, I did. So I'm I'm, did. I'm glad you did that. I think. Um, I'm not gonna lie. There were several times I think- where I was on a on a video call for work. And I would just mm-hmm. mute myself and turn off my camera and just play some Animal Crossing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how it gets you. It's and I totally see what you mean. We're like you're kind of just making this island just so you can like walk around the island and enjoy it. That's like ultimately like what the the end goal is. It's really a matter of like how much you like doing that or not. Yeah. So like this week, um, I finally actually yesterday I finally got terraforming. I finally got paths. And Triple Who hasn't listened for a while, but like last E3 when they announced Pathways, I literally named it in the notes Animal Crossing New Pathways because I was so excited. It was like a Freudian, like (laughs) I slipped up and did type of New Horizons. Like, so excited about Pathways. Like, now that I have it and I put my Pathways down, I'm just so overjoyed. And I just love walking around my town and hearing my little footsteps on stone instead of grass. (laughs) Oh, this is amazing. (laughs) This is so good. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm still a big fan, um, but yeah, I appreciate you putting in that much time. I'm very yep. proud of you. I did it. You did a big I boy job. It. You did a big boy job. Now I can't <laughs> wait to find something to torture you with this year. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, 
I, I will talk more about Animal Crossing as the weeks go on, but I got terraforming. I'm enjoying it so far. Your I got town the looks great. Two million. Thank you. Somebody's thank got you. a recycling bin. Somebody's yeah. got a haystack that I buried a present next to. <laughs> yeah, I have little um, little lawns for everybody, and everyone's got like a brick fence to kind of you know t- uh, block off their property from everyone else's property. And there's roads and they connect everything. And I planned all that out over the past two weeks so that once I got pathways, I could just lay them down and it all fit in my town nice and neat. And it does. Except I imagine, did you like did you like iPad graph paper it and like every single little space draw it out how you wanted it to be? No, but I used uh, I dug holes with my shovel to measure the distance between the houses. So I knew that the pathways would have to be four shovel um, lengths wide, so I could have flowers on each end, and then two path two like rows of uh, of stone pathway in the middle. Uh, that worked out beautifully. The only issue is that the last row of houses on the top, on the uh, the northernmost houses, are one shovel length too high so now i have to spend two hundred thousand bells to like move one house over to like the shopping area and then i'll just stagger each house like one to the left until i can move that uh first house to the rightmost um property in that row and then it'll be all lined up perfectly but i was like so annoyed and i'm like shit i thought it was done and i have to wait five days before this is gonna look (laughs) how i wanted to but it's still like Largely is absolutely there. I'm very, very happy with it. But like two hundred bells, that's like two hundred thousand bells is like ten percent of your your haul from your turnips last week. So yeah, yeah, and I haven't actually gotten a housing upgrade since the the um the second room I got. So I still have a lot of money from that. Gotta get that interest. You gotta get that interest. You gotta keep it in the bank. You can't just spend it all, right? People who don't trust yeah. banks and they keep their money in like a shoebox. I'm like, dude, you're missing out. Yeah, one point six percent interest right now from Barclays Savings, y'all. <laughs> um, we also played Resident Evil Three. Yeah, we, we did. We both it. played it. We both played yeah. it. It's only two days old, but we both played it and beat it. You beat it. Yeah, I beat it. Yep, I beat Hell it. Yeah. And we both loved Resident Evil Two last year. I think it was our second favorite game for both of us last year. It was number two. Uh, it was my number two. Outer uh, Wilds is one. Resident Evil Two is. Right. Yeah, it was in our remember. top three. It was in both of our top threes. All I know is Control was the best game last year. So I still need to play that. Yeah. I still need to. Yeah. So, Chad, what did you think of Resident Evil 3? Resident Evil 3, if I were to sum it up in a nutshell, it was like Express Resident Evil 2 Light. It had mm-hmm. a, a very, very familiar story. That you would see in any typical Resident Evil game, especially Resident Evil 2. It was a direct sequel to Resident Evil 2, but there were so many things missing for me. There were uh, the puzzle elements that you would expect to see in a Resident Evil game. The the keys and locking different doors. you got to remember where they are all over the house. And then there was no, like, the chess piece puzzle at the end of <laughs> Resident Evil 2 where you have to, like, do all the circuit breakers with the different puzzles and try to figure out, oh, fuck, which yeah. one goes where? And they can't sit beside that. There was none of that in this. At most, there was, like... Here's a shotgun, but you can't get to it until you find the bolt cutters. And I was, oh, okay. Well, I found the bolt cutters. Let me go get it. But you also uh, go back to that location at some point in the game. So it's like hardly a puzzle. It's like, oh, just remember, right, you exactly. go back to the building, just take a right, and you'll get that shotgun. Like, it was like so not a puzzle. But yeah, yeah, I agree. It's like that's the most puzzly it gets. And then the second biggest disappointment for me about this was that I, I didn't find it scary at all. Like there were a couple times where I was like, there were a couple jump scares. I was like, oh, shit. But I, I was never. 
I expected to be really terrified of Nemesis because they built mm-hmm. up Nemesis as like, oh yeah, it's Mr. X, but we've totally reworked the AI and now he can jump and he has a flamethrower and all this kind of shit. And I was just like, every scene with, with Nemesis, because he's not in the whole game. It's not like no. Mr. X where like you unlock it at a certain point, Mr. X could show up anywhere and, tr- and stalk mm-hmm. you down, whatever you're doing. Je- Nemesis was very much in only scripted portions of the game. And right off the bat, he was a lot more scary because he seemed to be more mobile. But once he like, hey, I'm carrying a rocket launcher. I'm just going to like, I'll stand over here 300 feet away and just like point a laser at you so you know exactly when to dodge. It's like, I don't know. And then the, the more and more you got through the game, like his, his, the more boss fights that you fight, it's like, I don't know. I, it didn't, it didn't do it for me. I was never scared. It was more of just like, how many, can I pump enough shotgun shells into this guy before my health runs out? Yep. Whereas I un- there are some genuinely terrifying parts of Resident Evil 2 that is like, this is the scariest thing I've ever played in my life outside of Resident Evil 7 and VR. I 100% agree with everything, everything you just said. Uh, uh, absolute yeah. agreements with you there. The It's like, it, I want to talk about Nemesis. I think it's impossible to compare this, not to compare this game to Resident Evil 2. It's impossible. Sure. I, I, I don't think I can talk about this game without comparing the two. And I think Nemesis is the big example there where it's like, when I'm playing Resident Evil 2, I'm listening for those footsteps. Is he coming? Is he around the corner somewhere? Yep. If I go down this hall, like if he comes that way and the liquor's in there too, like what the fuck's going to happen? Like there are moments where I'm thinking ahead as to what I might come across because I there's this uncertainty. Whereas you nailed it with an nemesis. They're all scripted. They're, every single time he shows up is a scripted moment. So when things like he, you know, launches his like noodly thing at you and pulls you in. I'm like not scared by it because I'm like, yeah, and then he's going to have a scripted few seconds where I'm able to get up and he does no damage to me. And all that happened is I lost 15 feet of progress. Like it's just there's (laughs) he's kind of more of a nuisance in the game than than he was this terrifying threat. And I think a good example of that is just the hospital where I'm like, oh, when's Nemesis going to show up? And he never does. He's never in the hospital. The, The hospital, I think, was the scariest part of the game. I think so, too. Uh, that was the only part where I was actually like, ooh, like I'm on edge. But a big part of that was oh, I'm on edge because Nemesis hasn't shown up in a while and this would be like a good area for him to be kind of stalking you around in. But it never happened. And when I look back at the moments that I really liked in the game, they were the heavily scripted, intense action sequences. Like when you are defending the lobby in the hospital and you just have these zombies coming in everywhere. That was really intense, but it wasn't scary. Yeah. It just was intense. And it's a very very intense game, but it just it misses that subtlety that Resident Evil 2 had. And I feel like I'm glad that they were separate experiences because there were rumors that they were supposed to be a bundled together package. Right. And I'm really glad that didn't happen because I feel like what would have happened then is oh, you have this great, brilliant first half of the Resident Evil 2, and then you have this disappointing second part in comparison yep. to... And I think Resident Evil 3 stands better on its own. I don't regret playing it. I still had fun playing it. But it wasn't Resident Evil 2. It just wasn't. Yeah. It's it's hard not to compare the two just because they came out a year apart. Everyone was so excited. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, they were like supposed to come out together, uh, apparently. Uh, I think the other thing that made me made it not scary for me or that I didn't feel... I didn't feel the survival horror aspects that you normally get from a from an old school Resident Evil game. Not so much five and six, yeah. but there were. I felt like every single scenario 
<clears throat> like when you get to the sewers for the first time and you're fighting this new monster, they told me exactly how to beat it. They gave me the exact right weapon to beat it. I knew, and they told me, hey, this is the ammo for that weapon to beat it. And they gave me enough of it. So I felt like every single mm -hmm. encounter that I was in, I had enough ammo. I always had more than enough healing items for everything yeah. I ever needed. And so I never got to that point where I'm like, fuck, there are eight zombies between me and my goal. I have 12 bullets. How am I going to make this happen? That you normally get from something like Resident Evil. It's like, fuck, I need to shoot that guy in the leg, dodge around them. Yeah. There were no there were no terrifying moments with like the liquors. Part of like what was scary about Resident Evil 2 is that most of the liquor encounters, if you were just quiet and you moved slowly, mm -hmm. you could get around them. You didn't have to fight them. But this one, it was always like, no, you're fucked. You got to fight this liquor right now. And it was, it was, there was none of that sneaky, like, oh, I hope he doesn't hear me. It was always just like, cool, I guess I got to sink 80 bullets out of my assault rifle into this thing right now. <laughs> I think a moment that's really telling of that is when you're Carlos and you go back to the police station. And I'm like, oh, cool, I'm back here again, getting those Resident Evil 2 vibes. Oh, but I have an assault rifle with 200 bullets in it, and zombies are going down pretty fast. You look, There's one point where you blow a hole in the bathroom, and it's kind of this like, oh, that's how the hole got there. <laughs> like, I, don't really, <laughs> yeah. I don't really care. And then it was strange that there was like 30 zombies in the next room where I'm like, but that wasn't the case in Resident Evil 2, which presumably takes place after this, is it because Carlos mowed them all down, I guess? Like, it was just a very strange moment, and it just felt so action-oriented in an environment that I was used to being more subtle. It just That was a yeah. moment where it, it hit me, that that difference. Yeah. And just like you said, like, having 200 bullets. That same moment is also where it stands out of, like, this is not survival horror, because in the police station, as you're walking down the same hallways now, you're like... Fuck, in Resident Evil 2, I would be picking up boards and trying to board up these windows to make sure nothing gets in them. Whereas this is, and mm -hmm. I know I only oh, have like yeah, six boards, right. but there are 10 windows to cover, and I got to think about which ones am I going to do. Whereas this, you're just like, oh, I'm just going to walk through and shoot some shit. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Let's talk about Carlos's hair. <laughs> How <laughs> stupid is that motherfucker's hair? Oh my god. It looks like you went to a car wash and you got one of those giant whirly things that clean your car and they just cut a face out of it. That's exactly what it looks like to me. So I never had that like I hated Carlos's hair as much as you do. I totally see what you see, absolutely. But it didn't but then but then it hit me. After I beat the game, you can. I went into the menus to kind of see what was there on the main screen, and there's this one where you can see different character models, and they had a different version of Carlos with a totally different hairstyle. And the I'm classic like, one with why the do they do bad. that? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, why do they do that? That looks way better than this stupid like. I don't really mop. It was. Did a you mop. not have the option in the beginning of the game? It gave me the option. I could do a different outfit for Jill and a different outfit for Carlos. I could do classic for both of them. Maybe it's just because I pre-ordered. Um, Did I, you pre-order it? I I pre-ordered as well. Yeah, maybe it asked me. I don't remember. But I was like, usually I'm when I play see it the way they things. intended to play it with the new hairstyles. Yeah, I probably I usually picked an option anyway. I don't remember them asking me, but if I, they did, I, I chose that option. Well, obviously I did because I obviously, had a yeah. hairstyle. Yeah, um, yeah. It's another moment too. So, all right, you went in the sewers and you read all that stuff about like the different gun to use and all that stuff. I didn't want to put the grenade launcher in my inventory because it took up two slots, so I just didn't do it. And that made those enemies the most fucking annoying thing ever because they eat you in one... And that, that's it? Yeah. They There's no you, damage. It's it. just you're alive or you're dead. You're alive or dead. doesn't matter if you're on caution or danger or fine. doesn't matter. And on top of that, it's almost impossible to dodge them in there because yeah. the holes are so narrow. they fill up almost the whole hallway, yeah. 
I died 25 times in this game, and most of it was because of that. I fucking hated the sewers. It just, I'm like, it felt unnecessarily difficult. Where I'm like, why did you make it so that? Because, like, again, going back to Resident Evil 2, they introduced a really crazy new monster in the sewers as well, but it, like, poisoned you, and then you had this concern about your health, like, going forward, and that was kind of scary. Like, oh, shit, I just got poisoned. I need to fucking find Blue Herb really fast. Blue Herb isn't even a thing in this game. In this game, the monster just fucking eats you, and that's it. And I'm like, that's so stupid. I just hated that. Maybe it would have been better if I decided to be better with my inventory and keep those two, uh, keep the two slots filled up with the grenade launcher. But I'm like, I don't want to. I never used the grenade launcher in the last game because it took up too many slots, and I got to conserve my inventory. I think I also missed a hip pack early on in the game, which is a big reason for that. I didn't get all of them by the end. Yeah, those hip packs are are clutch. Being able to carry more shit. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I couldn't stay in the sewers, but it was a really they small were, location. They. I was actually really disappointed by the sewers because of how easy it was. Like I was like, man, I spent <laughs> had- maybe ten minutes in the sewers because it, those things literally they open their mouth, one flame round from the grenade launcher, they're dead. Really? So, yeah. So I was just walking around. Oh, wow. that thing showed up. Boom, dead. Go to the next. Oh, that one showed up. Boom, dead. I was like, and I was yeah. so bored by the sewers because that's all. Basically, all the sewers was was like six of those monsters. Here's the thing though, because I didn't use any of those flame rounds, and by the end of the game, I had a ton of them. Man, that final boss battle was so easy. <laughs> <laughs> I just I had I had my inventory stocked up with a grenade launcher, six flame rounds, six mine rounds, six explosive rounds, and then I had the lightning hawk with like the um better oh, the barrel for I guess more. Yep. And oh man, I just swept Nemesis up. That was so <laughs> easy. Like I hope you make it out. Like Nikolai's like, good luck fighting the Nemesis. I'm like, yeah, dude, it's gonna be totally fine. Not worried yep. in the slightest. The only hard thing about that fight was that there was other two zombies that. I wasn't really paying attention to because it's more focused on Nemesis and eventually they come and bite me, but it didn't really matter anyway. Oh, dude, just run around, one shotgun blast in the head, boom, back to Nemesis. Yeah, I had, second time I did the boss battle, I ended up just bringing my shotgun for that reason. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I think what's hard about it, obviously comparing it to Resident Evil 2 is, is mm-hmm. difficult for this game coming out, but it's also, I don't remember, again, I didn't play Resident Evil 3, I had the revelation a few weeks ago that I played Umbrella Chronicles, which is the on-rails light gun shooter that just brings you through all the games. Um, (laughs) So I had an idea of what happened in this game. Um, But the game itself, traditionally, I don't think reviewed well when it came out. Like, the game... like It's hard to remake a game that wasn't necessarily stellar to begin with. So -hmm. how do you make a, a remake that's faithful in a way that like you can't change much about it or the mechanics or the the story scripted moments like all that, like I think it had an uphill battle to climb and that's not necessarily its fault but also I don't know if you yeah. if you loved those old school Resident Evil 3 Nemesis the DVDs CDs whatever the hell they were CDs maybe you'll love this a little bit more than we did I if I had to put a score on it I'd say a solid 7.23 out of Ten and a half. After ten and a half. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I I can't disagree. And that's I guess I'm. It's weird because like I I hate saying I'm disappointed in the game because it's still a well made game. I still had a good time with it. But when you go from Resident Evil Two, in my case, being this my one of my favorite games of last year, and then getting into this and kind of going, oh, it's it's a pretty different experience. This isn't. Kind of, I wanted more of Resident Evil 2, and maybe that's just my own fault because I wanted more of Resident Evil 2, and that's not what they wanted to offer with this. 
Uh, and I, because I've also heard that Resident Evil Three Nemesis on the PlayStation, you know, one is more of an action game as well. And, they, and people right. have kind of said like, oh, like Resident Evil Four is where the action started, but like the real fans of the series have argued that no, Nemesis is where all that action you know started. And I can see that. And I'm kind of thinking, do I want them to do Resident Evil Four? remake because that's going to be even more action oriented it's going to be even yes. more linear you yes, do please. yes please okay, i was literally thinking as the minute i beat three in my head i was going like it wouldn't be too hard to platinum this game but i don't really feel like going and doing that on hard mode instead do i play four i have it in hd on ps4 but what if they remake it should i wait for them to remake it because i really want to play it and i was like oh but what if i go back and play seven in vr so i'm on a kick right now and i really want four or five or six. I want to play five and six. I've never played six. I played five a long time ago, but I would love to play it like co-op with you. Oh yeah, God. we should do that. So Once I, we figure, I want them to remake Twitch streaming sure. games. That would be a good game to uh, stream together. Yeah, is Resident Evil Five. So I only beat half of Resident Evil Four. I got to like one part where there were. Two Why has that not been a barf game? <laughs> uh, I it's on Switch. I wouldn't mind playing on Switch, oh, but now I'm kind of holding. I'm pretty sure they're going to remake it. I'd rather wait for that at this point and kind of wait a few years and see what's going to happen. And then if it doesn't happen, I'll buy it on Switch and I'll play it there. But um, what was I saying? Okay, so I got to the point like halfway in the game where there's two trolls the in two, uh, one room. Uh, what are they called? They're called gigantes, el gigantes. Yeah, el gigantes, and they one of them you can cast in the lava and then you have to kill the other one but I didn't come with enough equipment and that oh I need to mention something about Nemesis um, battle but let me finish my thought on Resident Evil 4 first I got to that point in the game I couldn't beat it this is a long time ago I was still a kid and I just I'm like eh I'm good I'm done but the part I just that I think is one of the scariest but also action oriented moments in any game I've played is when you're in the house and all of the like villagers are bursting in. I'm like, yeah. that's a moment I really want to play in this engine, being able to walk around and shoot as opposed to just stand still and like move your reticule around. I want that moment to be remade so badly. That's kind of where I'm like, okay, if they remade Resident Evil 4, I'd be really excited. But I I still will miss that kind of subtle survival horror that was in Resident Evil 2. That was magical. I, oh God, I, I'm conflicted because I think there is some, some benefit for you playing four, like the original four, as mm -hmm. opposed to whatever, just the remake. Cause it's not, it's not like going from two to remake of two where one is like nowadays completely unplayable because of tank controls and just modern gaming, but four, mm -hmm. you know, it's remastered. It It's dual thumbstick or Wiimote Matt waggle. If you still have your Wii around, um, <laughs> That like I think it's still I haven't I haven't played it. I touched the iOS port of it a little bit, but yeah, yeah, I played I that one. That's not the version I got halfway through. On, <laughs> <No. either. laughs> um, but I, I touched it. I think there I think there is some argument to be made for you playing the original as well. And if we play it now, okay, then you can play the remake in a couple of years whenever that comes out, and then we can play <laughs> both of them. All right. Uh, Dusty says he would play the shit out of four for the thirtieth time. Oh god! And then there's the there's the separate story, the Ada story that kind of goes, and afterwards you can play the Ada Wong kind of side mm -hmm. story, and you see where she pops in all the time. Oh god, it's such a good game! You get the piano scarf with the infinite ammo, Tommy gun. Here's a moment in Nemesis that I have to mention because it was awful. It was awful. I got to the first Nemesis Phase Two battle 
Yeah. Where he's not wearing a suit anymore. You're in the that like big courtyard across the bridge. And I got there with my survival horror instincts, with my pistol and my shotgun. And I didn't have any mines. And having your mine rounds is very important in that battle because it's yep. how you knock him down when he's running around. But guess what happens when you die? No matter how many times you die, you just start off at the boss battle again. You don't get oh. to go back to your inventory and recollect again. So I'm like, fuck. Because I ended up like looking it up because I died a bunch of times there as well. I'm like, all right, let me just look up how to do this because this is I'm clearly doing something wrong. And then I'm like, oh, the mine rounds. I don't have those. I had to restart from the last manual save that I made, play through all the Carlo stuff, going to the police station again, and then manage my inventory to get the mine rounds. And I'm like, that's bullshit. Before a boss battle in a game like this, they should absolutely let you change your inventory out. That annoyed the living piss out of me. You know what's funny? I had no idea you were supposed to shoot mine rounds to keep them from running. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I had the miners, but I was just shooting him on the ground while he was, like, as part of the regular battle or shooting them on him. I just let him run yeah. in the circle until he stopped running, and then I just started shooting him again. I had no <laughs> idea you were supposed to do that. But she I did kept have saying, my grenade she, launcher. She, yeah, she kept yeah, saying, I, she's like, I gotta stop him, but I had no idea that mine rounds was the answer to that. That's, and that's the thing that never connected for me either until I looked it up. But when, it, when I looked it up, I'm like, oh, that's what she meant by if only I had a weapon or something. Like, she said she's like pretty on the nose that still wasn't like on the nose enough for me. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, that makes sense now. Oh, what it was, it's when she, and Nemesis goes to the top of the clock tower, and she says something along the lines of, you're not going to be up there for that much longer anyway, or something like that. And I'm like, oh, that line makes a lot more sense when you have mine rounds, and you could actually knock him down from there. (laughs) But I'm like, pistol shooting him going, nothing's fucking happening. Like, he's not falling. He wouldn't have fallen anyway. He's he's basically immune to my pistol. Uh, that part that part annoyed me. Really annoyed yeah. me. I, the boss battle itself was not difficult. It's just that when you don't have the equipment you're supposed to have, I ran out of ammo because I don't think I could do enough damage to him. Yeah. To even kill him with my shotgun and my pistol. Very frustrating. That was the thing is that I, I pretty much always carried a pistol, a shotgun, and a grenade launcher at all times. And then I had shotgun ammo, I had grenade ammo. And oftentimes I would just leave pistol I would just have whatever's in my gun and then like pick it up throughout the world. Yeah. So I feel like I was, so I was just always prepared for Yeah, so much ammo. I was always prepared for any fight because I always had every weapon with me, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my fault then because I spent the entire game going, here are the several horror parts. I need to think about conserving my inventory. And it's like, that's just not a thing in this game. Yeah. It's just well, not. In Resident Evil 3, the original, you didn't have the hip pouches. So that 100% would have been a thing. And I would have I would have not been able to play that. For mm-hmm. sure. For sure. All right, those are, that's, that's a, a good review of Resident, that's Evil a review 3. Of Resident Evil Three. I feel like that's the first like actual full fledged review we've been able to do of a relevant game, and I'm proud of us. And you know yeah. what? We did the whole thing with a Pac Man ghost on the screen. <laughs> 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 Let's transition out of that. Oh man! In fact, I'm just going to transition back out of studio mode so we can make sure we don't do that in the future. Here we go. Let's move on to our quest log with our fetch quests. These are the quests that are like uh, little tiny snippets that are worth talk- mentioning that are there. Might have a little thing to say, but not all the all that to talk about. Starting with the Outer Worlds first Switch gets new release date, arrives in June, says Logan Moore at Dual Shockers. This releases June fifth. This was your game of the year last year, Holden. No, Outer Outer Wilds was. 
fuck me. <laughs> I'll never get it right. <laughs> I'll never get I, it right. It, here's the thing. It was my Outer Wilds of the game of my year last year. I still get it confused. <laughs> it happens to everyone. I do want to play right. Outer Worlds. I'm tempted to play it on Switch, though. Outer Worlds is the Fallout-esque one. Yes. Okay. Well, that's coming to Switch. That's right. Outer Wilds, I don't think, is coming to Switch. Or it's already on Switch? I don't fucking know. I don't think it could run on Switch. I just I don't, don't think so. That's possible. what I was thinking, too. And when I saw that, I was like, oh. All right. UK charts. Animal Crossing New Horizons sales fall by 81% in disappointing week for Nintendo, says Ryan Craddock at Nintendo Life. Other titles like Call of Duty Modern Warfare and FIFA 2020 had boosts in their sales, despite Animal Crossing's tanking. I'm not going to say tanking. Well, no, that's, if it's 81%, that's kind of tanking. Um, it's kind of tanking, yeah. The top five Here's... were Modern Warfare, FIFA 2020, then Animal Crossing New Horizons at number three, Doom Eternal at number four, and Forza Horizon 4 is still on the table at number five after several yeah. years. People love those seasons. <laughs> Here's the thing about this. Yeah, obviously it's not good. The same thing happened to Doom Eternal, though, because Animal Crossing was one, and Doom Eternal was two, and now it's they're at three and four, respectively. I really just think, because of the quarantining, anyone who wanted that game wasn't thinking, well, I'll get it next weekend because I'll have more time to play it then, or anything like that. Like, it's just, hey, I got it. I can't buy a Switch. Like, I can't buy a Switch anymore in the future. Like, if you already had a Switch, you already wanted Animal Crossing, you bought it then. If you didn't have yeah. a Switch, you can't get a Switch, you can't get Animal Crossing. It's that I think that hurt the sales a lot there. But I think Doom Eternal seemed to be impacted pretty much equally. Yeah. So I think it's just that Call of Duty and FIFA, I actually should have checked this. I think they might have been on sale. What this also because doesn't say is that it doesn't take into account digital sales. It yep. does not take into... Oh, God, sorry. I've got this this hiccup just waiting to happen. Um, it does not take into account digital sales, and you're right. Like Last week we reported Animal Crossing has stellar numbers for like sold mm -hmm. more than the rest of the series combined in its first few days or whatever it was. Uh, but yeah. It was like, yeah, the launch sales combined, yeah. Yeah. So. For each of the games. Yeah. Take I mean, obviously not out. a great note on their part, but, you know, I think yeah. they're going to be they're going to be fine. They're For almost fine. worldwide, no stores being open to sell it. They're doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah, they're doing pretty, pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. There's a superb <laughs> new room game if you've got VR, says Steven Totilo at Kotaku. And no, we're not talking about room with Brie Larson or The Room. With what's his face? Tommy Wiseau. That one. We are talking about Room. Those iOS I puzzle games that have been really cool that you can now do in VR. So the Room VR, a dark matter, is out now. If I didn't fucking hate puzzles, I would do it. <laughs> Sony announces new, new, new release date for Uncharted films, says Nick Biazzo at Game Ranks. Uh, due to the filming delays for everything in the world, this is now coming out October 8th, 2021. The Did new, new release date was supposed to be in March next year, but now it's October. Yeah. Do you hear what Nolan North said? I used Nolan North and Trowbreaker no. on a live stream together, and Nolan North basically just said, "I'm I don't he doesn't he doesn't have a lot of confidence that Mark Wahlberg is the right person to play Sully." It was a pretty blatant like thing to say, and then on top of it, both of them agreed that they're more excited for the Last of Us TV show than the Uncharted movie. Oh like, my god, I forgot the Last of Us TV show was a thing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I totally forgot that was happening, Holden. Oh, my nipples just got so hard. Oh, yeah. We don't know how coronavirus could impact that. They might say, it's too close to home right now. We're not going to release it. Oh, we'll get to Who that knows? later. 
The definitive edition, a definitive edition of Xenoblade Chronicles won't include any extras from the 3DS port, says Liam Doolin at Nintendo Life. Um, the 3DS version apparently had some Street Pass integration, which obviously Street Pass does not exist on um, Switch. Nope. And what's more shocking to me is that it doesn't include Amiibo support. That's the one that surprised me. This is me. a first-party title, whatever. if I'm not wrong, right? Xenoblade is yeah. Nintendo. Well, it's Monolith Soft. It's, I think it's second party is what it's considered. Oh, it's made by Monolith Soft, but it it's it's a third party, but they're making it specifically for Switch and no one else. So and they're taking party. out Amiibo support. Yep. Doesn't make any sense. Damn. Going the yeah. way of the Connect. I hope they still keep making Amiibos because I like to collect them. <laughs> but uh, you can keep the Shulk one. I don't give a fuck about Shulk. It was GameStop exclusive anyway. <laughs> Here's April 2020's Xbox Live Games with Gold, says Ryan McLeod at... Kotaku Project Cars which was actually a pretty fun game uh, Never Knights it. of Pen and Paper Bundle Fable Anniversary which if you are a patron at patreon.com slash respawn name fire you know that that's been on my uh, barf list for a little bit and tur- Toy Box Turbos whatever the fuck that is for I like comparison. the name yeah go on go on I, was gonna say, I like the name uh, Knights of Pen and Paper because it's nice and pen and paper, but when you put bundle at the end of it, it has like a whole new like meaning. Is it a bundle of different games or is it a bundle of paper? We'll never know because I'm not going to play the it, game. Is Whoa. it a bundle of Knights of Pen and Knights of Paper and they're bundled together as Knights of Pen and Paper? Oh. Whoa. Mind It's a twofer. It's a twofer, yeah, maybe. It's a twofer. Harvard and. Or it's Black. a lot of paper. <laughs> uh, by comparison. The PS Plus games, we talked about this last week, but just as a reminder, for April 2020, you can get Uncharted 4 and Dirt Rally 2.0 from Michael Ruiz last week it was Dual Shuckers. Last week, it was a leak by PlayStation Access, access accidentally. Now it's, right. now it's official. Now it's That's official. Right. It is official. <laughs> a fish. Can you do a fish face? The fish mouth? <gasps> Holden. <laughs> I've, I've always been able to do the mouth, but I've never been able to make my lips go up and down until right now. <laughs> oh my god P- <laughs> Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 campaign remastered is out on PS4 says Chandler Wood at Playstation Lifestyle this shit got shadow dropped it was like leaked yeah. the day before it was gonna come out and then hey it's fucking out on the store if you want it on PS4 it's available for it's 20 it's also 20 bucks, bucks. Yeah. yeah it That's does surprising. not include the multiplayer which is mm-hmm. of note because people fucking love Call of Duty for the multiplayer. But yeah, if you want to replay the campaign again, a lot of the multiplayer apparently has been remastered in other games, including Modern Warfare that's out right now. Uh, so you can play those updated levels in other mod- in Call of Duties right now. It is a timed exclusive for PS4. Not, uh, not no date for other platforms yet. So oh, if yes. you want to play I put it not else, date, no date. Here's the thing. I wonder if you can play it on Xbox through backwards compatibility, though. Oh, probably. Yeah, so it might not even probably. fucking matter. Uh, here's one that I like. Quantum Error is a next-gen horror FPS coming to PS5, says Merdad Kayat from DualShockers. Holden, you put this in here. I had never heard of it before. I watched it 20 minutes before we went live. I watched the trailer. First of all, the trailer was 3 minutes and 20 seconds. I had to hit the 15-second skip button twice. It's too long. Can't watch anything over three minutes. <laughs> but this game looks good. This game looks spooky. It does look good. It's um, like it, someone uh, in the comments made like, it's a combination of Dead Space and Doom is what it looks like. What's weird is that I had, it's a combination of fear and prey. 
<laughs> I was thinking fear, but I was thinking I've never played fear. I can't say that. But it I has been something about the door. When you see like the door, the light coming through, and the silhouette on the other side of the door, I'm like uh-huh. something that reminds me of fear about that. But again, I never played fear, so I don't know why I'm saying that. I watched my brothers was... play through that game. Literally, must have been 15 years ago. But that's yeah, it gave me strong fear vibes, and then what they wanted prey to be that it didn't end up being. But. <laughs> Um. Yeah, that, I'm. I'm keeping my eye on that. And they just said PS5. Like the, at the end, it just says PlayStation. Like nothing else, baby. Get those exclusives, mm-hmm. Sony. Get it. Speaking of exclusives, <laughs> this has nothing to do with exclusives. Hideo Kojima wants to create a horror game that will make you poop your pants. Says Logan Moore at Dual Shockers. And you know what? Hideo Kojima is traditionally an exclusive to PlayStation kind of person, so it might be. Quote from Hideo Kojima, PT ended as just an experiment, but I would like to make another horror game someday. Someday. Something that uses a revolutionary method to create terror that doesn't just make you pee your pants, but crap them. I already have ideas in mind. I'm in. If whatever you end up deciding to tease right here ever fucking comes to be, I'm in. I'll play it. I'm interested. I will. I do want to note that he also said that Death Stranding was going to be a brand new genre of game we've never seen before. And it I is. Felt it's like a that... strand game. It's a strand game. <laughs> I don't know what that. I don't know what that means. So I've played I'm 20 hours, pull... and I don't know what that means either. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm excited for it, but the whole revolutionary method. I mean this in the most endearing way possible. I think. Kojima's a little full of himself sometimes <laughs> and a little into himself. Um, but again, like he's kind of earned that reputation with the Metal Gear Solid franchise and so the advancements they made there to stealth. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm going to take what he says with a grain of salt just because Death Stranding didn't hit me. That like, mm-hmm. whoa, new genre that I kind of feel like it was salt. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that Angelina I'm just excited Take that with a grain it. of Angelina. Coronavirus update. So here's a, a list of uh, stories that are corona- coronavirus related in our gaming industry. We have a couple of things and then a couple of like, oh, this is good shit. Uh, first off, GameStop in Massachusetts closed after re- after receiving a nuisance order. This is Armina Khan at PlayStation Lifestyle. Uh, they <laughs> remained open um, nationwide for the curbside pickup service. And then finally, uh, in Massachusetts at least, they were forced to close and even cut off the pickup service. So. It is officially called a nuisance order, which I just love that it's legally applied What's a to GameStop. Nuisance? That sounds like a Massachusetts thing. Actually, it sounds more like a <laughs> Connecticut thing. You're big a nuisance. Uh, Capcom also confirms that an employee has contracted coronavirus, says Alex Calvin at PC Games Insider. Uh, they worked in the Osaka offices, uh, and the employees who came in contact will be asked to work from home, and areas will be infect- uh, that are infected will be sanitized. That sucks. Anyone who gets this obviously sucks, uh, but I'm mm-hmm. glad they're taking the right measures. Uh, it surprised me that everyone wasn't already working from home. Yeah, especially that's, that's being in exactly Osaka, what I was Japan. Thinking. Um, but anyway, speaking of working from home, Kojima Productions' COVID-19 case led to developer working remotely as well, and uh, probably related to this as well. Wastelanders update for Fallout 76 has been delayed again. Bethesda analysis is Brandon Reeves at PlayStation Lifestyle. But this time, the delay is only one week. So instead of launching on April 7th, which is right now days away, two days away, the day this comes out, uh, it will launch the following week on the 14th. Some good things that happened, though, because of coronavirus. Twitch viewership has been up for 23% in March, says Kaylee Parleton at PC Games Insider. 
uh, obviously everyone's at home and they can watch stuff. I've seen all over the yeah. place be like uh, a bunch of podcasters being like, oh my God, our viewership is up so much. Or, oh my God, people are watching this when they weren't usually, they were listening to it. And people are like, yeah, I'm, I, I'm at home now. I can watch shit without my boss <laughs> over my shoulder saying, what are you watching porn on Twitch for? Like, listen, they can't even show nipples, boy nipples. What if you... Nope, let's keep going. Rockstar <laughs> donating in-game revenue to COVID-19 relief, says Matthew Keto at Game Informer. Rockstar, famously of GTA Online and Red Dead Online, are going to donate 5% of their uh, in-game transactions to relief, which is not an inconsiderate... Not inconsiderate, God damn it. Not an... <laughs> In what am I? One of the what's the word I'm looking for? It's, it's, a, it's a good amount of money. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not an insignificant amount of money. Five percent sounds like oh my god, five percent, but like it's fucking rock star. And there's a reason why GTA Five is at the top of the sales charts all the fucking time. <laughs> uh, a couple other things that are good monetarily wise for COVID relief: uh, hundred million dollars Sony Global Relief Fund for COVID nineteen has been announced, and it's designed to help medical professionals and employees in game development. And then finally, Humble Bundle. Is fi- humble is fighting Corona with a bundle of forty five games for thirty dollars, and a lot of them are pretty great. Holden, you've you've uh, put some some bold and underline on a few of these italicized games. You want to shout out any good ones? Yeah, I just kind of put the bold italicized on the games that I thought were the most notable on the list. Not because mostly I just don't know the other games, but yeah, Brothers: A Tale of Two Sons, Brutal Legend, Darksiders: War Mastered Edition, Darksiders Two, um, Death in it, Definitive Edition. Definitive. Uh, Hollow Knight. Definitive. Oh, I copy and pasted it, so that's their fault. <laughs> yeah, fucking humble. Um, Hollow Knight, Into the Breach, Super Hot, Undertale, The Witness, and World of Goo. That's just a handful of them. There's actually like at least three times more games than that. There's I'm a gonna, lot. In I'm there. gonna point out two more. One, yeah. Fahrenheit Indigo Prophecy Remastered. That's the uh, precursor to Heavy Rain. That's a David Cage joint. Oh, I do know that game. Okay, yeah. Uh, and then Piku Niku. Isn't that the one dollar game that you guys were all buying the other day? Have any of you played it? Pretty yeah, good. I have. I I have it. I haven't played it yet though. Dallas, you still in the chat? You played Piku Niku, <laughs> that one dollar <laughs> game you all freaked out about. Said this would be great. Oh, tell me how that fucking is, you asshole! Oh, it's Psychonauts. <laughs> Psychonauts is also on there. I'm just kidding. Piku Niku looked great for that's your type of game. Um, yeah, Psychonauts. It's on there. Awesome. Let's move on to the Microsoft Quest log. <laughs> <laughs> We've got some news on here, y'all. First of all, Wasteland 3 delayed due to logical, sorry, logistical challenges of the coronavirus pandemic. Says Matthew Logical Wilson. challenges. They just were so confused. They didn't know they, what they were doing. They were like, if and then? I don't know. <laughs> get it? Logic. Oh, I get it. <laughs> uh, it's been delayed back to August 28th. Uh, just to put this a little bit in perspective, last week we got some things from Sony and Microsoft about like, well, oh, this is how coronavirus probably won't impact our games right now. They were talking specifically about first party. Uh, like, oh, we don't think that's going to happen, but, you know, we're always looking into it. Uh, that was a week ago that they said that, and now Wasteland 3 is. First of all, boom. When I read Wasteland 3, in my brain, I thought, state of decay. What is Wasteland 3? Wasteland 3 is from Ixile. Um, they made uh, the Fallout games originally before Bethesda bought the license mm-hmm. from them. And they are, I'm pretty sure, owned by Microsoft now. 
I don't actually want to look this up. Well, you looked that but up. That game quick. is exclusive to the Xbox console wise, at least. Dallas says he has not yet played the Piku Niku. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's a subsidiary of Xbox Game Studios um, based in Newport Beach, California, and New Orleans, Louisiana. So, yeah, so Ooh. last week. Microsoft is like, yeah, our, none of our games that are under our brands are going to be delayed. Like it's all looking really good. And then this week's like, hey, but never mind. We got a game for you that's being delayed. Yeah, it's gone. Gone. I speaking of, still think that the hardware is going to be good. I still think the hardware is going to be good. But yeah, and uh, Phil Spencer has some software. reassurances for us here in the next couple of stories. Yes. Uh, so Phil Spencer was on IGN's podcast Unlocked uh, with Orion McCaffrey over there, uh, and he discussed the Series X, backed up a lot of things that. Not Nutella, but Nadella said on the CNN interview. <laughs> yep, yep, got ahead of that one. Uh, here's one of them. Phil Spencer says Xbox Series X's launch likely won't move, even if Halo Infinite is delayed, says Matthew Olson at US Gamer. Uh, there were some rumors last week that Halo Infinite might not launch in the fall, as was expected and was announced. Um, mm-hmm. But because Nadella said on the CNN interview that, like, hey, Supply chain's back up in China. We're not worried about the hardware being delayed at all. And mostly they're focused on supporting their software engineering and all that kind of stuff throughout the next couple of months as that's impacted. Um, What's comforting to hear is that the Series X is going to launch. And even if it doesn't have its big dog, which is Halo Infinite, that they've been like, this has been Halo Infinite equals Xbox next gen launch for months now. When did they announce that? Like a year ago? I don't know. Um... It's comforting to see that, like, yeah, no game is big enough to delay an entire console. I think that's the right move. Mm-hmm. Because there's going to be yeah. so much other stuff out. There's going to be third party. If you delay the console, think of how many third parties are going to be affected by that. Like, I, I have this thing out. I was expecting to sell it in Q4, and now I have nothing to sell it on. Or yeah. half of the user base that I was expecting is, is now going to be delayed and shit like that. So, Especially with Microsoft's kind of intention of again generationless and we're just kind of carrying out what was there before like regardless if there are any games third party wise that are exclusive to the series x you still have a huge library of games that are going to look and perform better on this console there's still that draw there and then you want more boxes to be sold by the time the third party games do come out so like it would benefit halo infinite if there were you know many more xbox series x's out there by the time it comes out so they can sell many more copies of it like uh, on that new console it just it makes sense for them um yeah, the, the last note I had here is why well, I, I wanted to mention, just because I watched it and this spoke to me a lot. Um, Phil Spencer has also just said during the interview that he, after seeing Cerny's PlayStation 5 presentation, he mm-hmm. felt very confident in the decisions that that his team had had made. And usually, for he's pretty humble, and that was maybe the least humble thing I've heard him say. <laughs> He's usually just like, hey, we're all team players. We're all like, this yeah. is all great. All consoles are all right. He was just like, yeah, we were really happy with what we saw. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, that doesn't look good <laughs> for, for Sony. I feel like he's feeling really confident. It's, I like uh, that that's just, juxtaposed yeah. with like two months ago him saying, oh, Sony's not a competitor. We don't even view them as a competitor to us. But now he's like, oh, when we watch their shit and thank God we got our shit together. <laughs> so they do it was a really a little bit. It was a really yeah that that whole Amazon Google thing was really strange. <laughs> um, <laughs> obviously, Sony is their primary competitor in, in the Xbox space. Um, did you watch the whole interview by chance? I did not. It's on. It's it in was, my, downloaded in my podcast app to listen to. But it's a it's a really good listen. There was a lot of really um, 
interesting things discussed. Most of it has been reiterated in articles. We've seen articles right. about this. You know, you've pretty much seen it all. I think this and the next story we're talking about are kind of like the most important takeaways from it. But um, man, they seem really confident about the Xbox Series X. And the, one of the cool things, this isn't related to the next thing at all. This is separate from that. I forgot to include it in here. Actually, mostly because there wasn't even a story about it, is that they started working on this in October. Uh, in 2016, so around like the time that they were starting to talk about the series, the uh, Xbox One X, a year before then is when they started to really work on this console. And they're actually talking about how they actually, knowing that backwards compatibility is going to be really important, they built the framework of the Xbox One X with the Series X in mind, knowing that they were going to go there eventually. That was really interesting to hear. And then Ryan McCaffrey just straight up asked, like, I mean, I'm going to put it bluntly, but he he handled it very professionally. This is the blunt way of putting it. Why did the Xbox One, uh, Xbox One OG look so ugly, but then the Xbox One S and the One X look so damn good? <laughs> like, what happened there? And it was, and feels like, you know, I don't like this idea that it was because I came into leadership and, like, I changed the team. Like, it's the same team, the same amazing engineers. We just gave them more time. When you give them more time, it's amazing what they can do. And that was a really kind of cool thing to hear. They seem to really be supporting their team and listening to their team. And so far with the Xbox One S, hardware-wise, it's good. I have some serious problems with the software, which I haven't talked about in the podcast before. But um, it's a good console. The Xbox One X is a good console. And Series X obviously seems like it's going to be a very powerful machine as well. So that was kind of cool to hear and see the fruits of that that philosophy. Yeah. Can I tell you, I was surprised weeks ago when we were talking about like the the certain event and then we were like oh but also yeah. there's like some videos you can watch of like the teardown of the xbox one X, or series x god damn i'm gonna switch those up for the rest of my life the <laughs> were you the guy who's like the 20 minute youtube teardown of the series x Austin Evans, it's yeah. bigger than it looks in pictures it is like he's, yeah. he's carrying it around his hands is like it's big it's a big console and you see it in the pictures and you're like oh that kind of looks like it looks like my router, which is one of those Linksys mesh routers. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. it looks like maybe a little stand on my desk or something. I'm like, no, that thing is significant. Yeah. But I bet the rock. PS5 is going to be small, and that's why it's not as powerful, because they wanted it to be the small little box. That was one of the things when the PS4 came out. It's like, ooh, PS4 is smaller and more powerful, and people really seem to like that it was smaller. Obviously, this is speculation because we haven't seen the ps5 design but like if it is smaller i wonder how much they prioritize that and how much that's gonna hurt them with performance because i keep that was also one of the the, things when the ps4 came out people were like not only is it more powerful and smaller but like they were able to do all that and put the power supply inside whereas the original og xbox one they're like that thing is huge it's hunky and you had to have the external power supply on it's like yeah and then the one the power supply was like this thing by 50 percent like, my two fists here is, like, half the size of that power supply. The thing is <laughs> huge. Yep. Uh, we do have that one Moving last on story. That. You want to go ahead and talk about it real quick? Yeah, so Xbox Series X price will remain agile as launch date approaches. Logan Moore at DualShocker. This is also from that Unlocked interview. The pricing, he says, has been considered um, from the beginning of development. They've always kind of had, like, a target in mind. Obviously, things will kind of shift around over time, but, like, they've had a kind of a goal in mind. And Spencer says he feels good about pricing going forward into the next generation. I know a lot of... And this is just... This is me at this point, just my opinion... I know a lot of people are thinking that the Series X is going to come out more expensive than the PS5. I think it's either going to be even, and the more I think about it, I actually think there's a chance the Series X could be a little cheaper. 
I was just going to ask you, do you think they still have the cheaper console lined up? <laughs> like releasing two the, versions in, of it? I'm going back and forth. I, just, I feel like they would have talked about it by now, considering how open they've been. Unless it's like an E3 thing where it's like, oh, guys, and by the way, here's this version of the box as well. But they still kind of view the Series X as like their main next-gen push because that will be closer in parity to a PS5, or at least they were expecting it to be. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. but there's, And I actually had doubts to the point where when we were talking about the PS5 versus Series X specs, I was just going to say and make a prediction that they weren't going to do it. But then, listening to this interview... Ryan McCaffrey kept asking, like, hey, what, you know, you've talked so much about Series X already. Like, what do you still have to talk about? Is it just more hardware revelations? You want to talk about games at a certain point? And all Phil Spencer said was, there's more to the narrative. And he reiterated that a few times as if, like, he had practiced it. In the, I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but, like, he knew he was going to be asked this and practiced in the mirror to be like, if he asked about this, don't say Series S. Don't don't mention it. Like, yeah. you just say there's more to the narrative. So, like, I don't know. I'm actually kind of caught. I think that eventually there will be a second box. Eventually. Yeah, but, for sure. Because they just... But is that this year? Is that next year? I don't... I really don't know. And I actually have doubts that maybe we just get a Series X this year. Maybe. I'm wondering... Uh, I'm wondering how much success we've the mid-generation consoles, how successful they were. Like the One X and the PS4 Pro. Like we never see numbers breakdowns for those specifically. It's always just like PS4 sold this many, Xbox One Xbox One sold this many. I wonder if yeah. they're seeing success in splitting the console like that. The One S and the One X route, the PS4 and the PS4 Pro route, and whether that's something mm -hmm. they'll consider doing again. Yeah, and I think Sony's the bigger wild card there. I don't really know what they're going to do because yeah. th this is their new generation. They might have a different philosophy this generation. There's new leadership there. But Phil Spencer's always talked about the the family of Xbox co consoles. That's going to be like a family of systems. And I kind of feel like, you know, Microsoft has a mentality in their company with their own hardware outside of Xbox is different versions of the Surface, different versions of different hardware products that they make, even down to the keyboards. Like, the keyboards that they make have different iterations, different versions of it to meet different needs. And Phil Spencer's kind of intention of reaching as many people as possible. It, it, it seems to align they would do that, but does that mean there's going to be a less expensive version? Or they're going to say, hey, here's the Xbox Series Y, and we're going to move Series X down a peg, and that's going to be the more affordable one. And kind of treat it like phones usually do, or like, or how like Apple treats phones, where last year's iPhone is being brought down $100, and the new yeah. ones at the same price point. Like, if they kind of handle it that way, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm very curious going forward into this. Um, on the the Agile with with price though the the reason i'm starting to think that the series x might be at least on par with the series ps5 or less expensive the areas where ps5 beats the series x is where there's more proprietary technology with more research and development and more costs they would have to make up the cell architecture for the uh for the ps3 was about as powerful in terms of third-party support what it could handle as an xbox 360 i don't know the actual teraflop numbers but like it was they were in the same ballpark roughly right. um it was but because there's so much research research and development that went into that processor it cost them so much more to manufacture that that box and i feel like with this super advanced ssd that they have and all the research and development they put into it i feel like they might 
run into a higher cost because of it. Whereas, yeah, Microsoft is also using an NVMe drive, but it seems to be more of an off-the-shelf one considering the speeds that it's hitting. And all the components they have in their box aren't these, like... Obviously, they're custom-tailored to an extent, but not to the degree that this SSD in the PS5 is. I think they might be pretty close in price. If Again, if not, PS... Xbox Series X is going to be cheaper. And considering how much talk Phil Spencer has put on about, first of all, in this case, being agile on price, also saying he's not going to be beat on power and price again, and we really don't know if there's going to be a second box or not, I think there's a chance Series X could be more uh, more powerful and a better value proposition than the PS5. In terms of hardware capabilities, games is a totally different like part of that conversation. Yeah. Do you think... Last question for this, and we'll move on. Do you think there's a chance that Xbox is waiting for PlayStation to announce a price so that they can decide, can we come in lower than that with one console? Or are we the same price or more expensive, and do we bring it? Like, Are they are they deciding to launch a second console based on where they stack up against PS5 price? That'd be really tough, because it's like... I, I can see them saying, if let's say just assuming this, that the box does exist, Series S does exist. I think it would be tough for them to say, we put all this research and development of this console as like a second plan B, and if we yeah. don't need it, just scrap all that. Scrap all I don't the design know, work. Not scrap, necessarily scrap, but, but like, like But maybe later, put it, like push six, it back. Yeah, okay, yeah. I, I would yeah. say push back. It wouldn't be a good one, yeah. Because it'd be more, I think it'd be easier just marketing-wise to put a lot of effort behind one box than it would be behind two. Right. Especially when you're, especially when PlayStation's, Presumably, they're just releasing one box. There's been some rumors about a PS5 Pro launching at the same time, but I don't really think there's a lot of weight there. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I do think that there's a game of chicken going on right now, though, of who's gonna for sure talk 100%. first. Yeah. Yep. Especially yeah, the longer... no. The thing that Microsoft has though is that they've committed to doing something around the second week of June for E3, whereas Sony yep. is like. We haven't said anything, so we could fucking wait all day for you, Microsoft. Do whatever you want, and then we haven't committed to saying anything at any time. Yeah, I'm, I'm still worried. I'm starting to get really worried about Sony. Like the more, the longer they wait, the more I'm like, oh, just say something. Just, I just say something. I'm, I'm not concerned, but I'm, I'm so curious how all of coronavirus and all of these delays and everyone working from home and all, all these events getting canceled. Like, how does that fuck with? Like the PR schedule they were going to do for both of these consoles, both these companies. Yeah. Like, ha- are there events that they were going to do and now they're not going to do? How is that shifting everything? The like, hundreds of events that they were going to do. The, the hundreds of said. consumer events across the globe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the marketing I've, of all of this has got to be crazy right now. I've thought of, I've thought about that, and I think there's definitely a lot of credence to that because obviously, if you're planning to be at GDC or something like that with a certain event, um. The other part of it, though, is that a lot of the marketing is just the timing of when you announce certain pieces of information. And they probably know what that roadmap looks like, regardless of what event, if they can do it or not. They knew that, like, at whatever event coming up, they would say that, you know, here's the DualShock 5. And then the next event, they would say, here's the box. And the next event, they would, they kind of, I feel like they would know what that, you know, uh, uh, information drip was going to be throughout the year. And I, and, also, Microsoft is still announcing things. Like they, their plans have been interfered, but they still have found ways to continue with their messaging by doing this unlocked interview with Ryan McCaffrey, which was probably going to happen anyway. But they decided, hey, let's just do it over Skype instead. Like, I feel like Sony, if anything, just probably didn't want to say anything yet, regardless of if there were events or not. Like, Thank God, everything got it. canceled, so we don't have to. Like say we're bowing out of this, we're bowing out of that. We're like, oh, thank God, 
We have some room to breathe now. (laughs) We don't have to make an excuse as to why we're not going to the party. Yeah, because they've said that so many times now. (laughs) Yeah. Let's move on. Let's move on. Talk about Sony. Sony Quest Log. Starting out with a hard hitter. Last of Us Part 2 and Iron Man VR have been delayed indefinitely, says Matthew Olsen at US Gamer. Indefinitely does not mean like they're never coming out, but we just don't have a release date for them. From a tweet from PlayStation, we have, quote, Update, SIE has made the difficult decision to delay the launch of The Last of Us Part 2 and Marvel's Iron Man VR until further notice. Logistically, the global crisis is preventing us from providing the launch experience our players deserve. As a follow-up, Naughty Dog made their own statement. He said, quote, The good news is we're nearly done with development of The Last of Us 2. We are in the midst of fixing our final bugs. Due to logistics beyond our control, we couldn't launch The Last of Us Part 2 to our satisfaction. We want to make sure everyone gets to, the, gets to play The Last of Us Part 2 around the same time, ensuring that we're doing everything possible to preserve the best experience for everyone. This meant delaying the game until such a time where we can solve these logistic issues. Oh, that hurts me. That hurts me. Both of these were coming out in May, and they were the only games I was looking forward to playing in May. But it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing. It's it's all about shipping. It's the physical copies. How do we print enough discs? How do we ship them? How do we make sure they're going to get there on time? How do we distribute them once all of these closed down shops? Are they going to be open again? Uh, which is a headache and a half. Square is dealing with it in their own way, saying, hey, just everyone in Australia, we're just going to ship it now and Hopefully it gets to you. You'll probably get it early. Uh, but it looks like Sony's like, nope. The Last of Us 2 is going to be a big, giant tentpole release for this year for gaming in general. It's going to be a huge conversation. We want everyone to play it at the same time. And we want to make sure that happens. We want to make sure we have control over that happening. So, Holden, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Knowing you were already going to wait two weeks to play it anyway. I mean, regardless of when it comes out, I'm waking... Oh, well, we've decided three weeks, because if E3 was hmm. in the way. And now that I've said three weeks, I can't be like, well, E3's not happening, so two weeks now. Like, I'm just going <laughs> to stick to three weeks. Um, I'm, I honestly don't know what to make of this. I'm really confused, because it seems like the part that's the problem here is in the software. As they said, the development's basically done at this point. But the manufacturing side is, and I don't know where they're manufacturing the discs, if those areas aren't as improved as the areas in China where they're already manufacturing at Foxconn again. I'm I'm just I'm confused as to why this is happening this way. Yeah, because you're right, because like Final Fantasy VII is still going through with their plans. But I think it's because they had such yeah. short notice they couldn't necessarily just like halt the brakes on Final Fantasy VII and say, like, we can't release it anymore because of all these logistical issues like things are already started set in motion but i guess like this is kind of the first time it's not the first time it's happened but it's the first time we're hearing this from sony and it's the first time that a game has been so far out that we're hearing this about usually the games we're hearing this about are coming out relatively soon in like the next i guess it is like a month away a month and a half away now well it's the 29th so it's yeah, a month and a oh, half. Oh, yeah, like two Seven months. weeks, something like that. Yeah. Iron Man VR, though, was supposed to be like May 4th or something like that. It was like early May. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm just, I'm really, conf- I'm really confused, but I don't really know. I don't have an opinion because like, I don't know what to make of it. I'm, I'm anticipating that a lot of this is just because the story is very important to this game and they don't want 
it to like release in Australia first. All these videos of the final scene of the game are released where like Joel dies, and then like Joel, like all these like video clips of Joel dying, or not that that's actually going to happen. I have no idea, but it's just like a <laughs> Snape killed Dumbledore kind of thing. How like, do you know? It's spread all over. <laughs> gets rid of the internet like I guess that that's a big concern of theirs but I'm just I don't know I'm really surprised and I guess the whole like, thing of providing the launch experience that our players deserve and there's a big push now for them to release it digitally and I think that would have been a smarter move like hey we're just going to release this digitally we can pre-download it in advance so even though it's going to take longer to download because we're slowing down the networks on the PSN you can still download it you know a week ahead of time so it shouldn't take you a week to download this game and digital games are sold about in 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 an equal measure to physical copies that i feel like people would just switch to the digital version for this kind of game that like, i'm just i'm confused i I'm get very confused. i get the idea that like why not just release it digitally first and then hopefully this but you i feel like you can't alienate a portion of your audience that no matter what they have to rely on physical for some reason whether it's download speeds or mm -hmm. data caps or whatever it is or just the comfort of having something physical uh, you can't yeah. cheat them out of you can't say you're less important than our digital customers and they're going to get it day one and who the fuck knows when you're going to get it. Um, yeah. People who bought collector's editions and all that, the Ellie statues and the backpacks and all that kind of shit. Like, I feel like you can't shaft them just because you want the game out the day that it was supposed to come out. The second yeah. day that it was supposed to come out. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a tough, interesting thing, but I, I totally get it, especially with such a story-focused game like this. Like you want a global release. You want it all at the same time. You want to control the narrative around this game. It's going to be great no matter what. I'm glad they have extra time to work on it now. Now, Even if it's like almost done, there's always like little tiny bugs people can fix with patches and stuff like that. They're going to get all that yeah. out of the way. Hopefully it helps alleviate some of the crunch. We'll no, see. it won't. <laughs> it won't. <laughs> well, if there's nothing left to fix, there can't be any more crunch. They're going to add a whole like epilogue to it now. And it's like, actually, it's coming out next year, you guys. We had all these ideas. <laughs> we were going to have Left Behind 2 DLC for it. All right. Let's crunch on that. We've got to crunch on something. <laughs> let's move on to our Nintendo Quest log where we have next-gen Switch ports are definitely happening, says Lucas White at Silicon Era. Um, this is according to a virtuous VP, Elijah Freeman, who says that they've already, they already have work lined up. What do you think it is? Not counting the Mario stuff because we're going to talk about that separately. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know what games they have lined up. Um, the, the Virtuous is the same team that made, I think, The Witcher and Outer Worlds. So, like, they make, you know, very, very prominent games that you wouldn't think are possible to come to Switch. They figured out how to bring it to Switch. They just got bought up. by somebody. Whoever did the, the Witcher port got bought by somebody. I want to say it was Microsoft. I'm looking it up because now I'm uncertain of what I'm saying. Um, my big question with this story is how <laughs> uh so like the games that are going to be cross-platform totally get it i get it because that game would have to run on an xbox one uh the og one and if it can run on that you can tailor it and parse it down to get it to work on another uh console such as the switch it's not as powerful um virtuous this game site is loading up so look at a list of their games that they've made recently pretty soon but uh, I don't know how that's going to be possible when you start getting to these games that are really relying on the NVMe drive. So it's like, well, the Switch is running off flash memory, though. It's, it has SD cards. How fast are those? And I looked it up, and they were actually within line of what Mark Cerny was talking about in the PS5 event of how slow at the standard hard drives are nowadays. The SSD cards, um, the SSD cards, the SD cards are about 
65 to 90 megabits per second, which is in that range of the 50 to 100 megabits per second that Sony certainly was saying is the case with current gen consoles, Xbox right. One and PS4. So like they they couldn't scale that kind of uh that kind of quick loading to a a switch unless they just put in loading screens but and this is one of the things where we don't really know what next gen games are going to be like yet we don't know exactly how these hard drives are going to change how games are made but based on the way that mark cerny was talking about it like game worlds will be made differently because they don't have to worry about some of these considerations that we have to consider nowadays and if that's true and game worlds are made differently how on earth do you port that to the switch uh yeah so this is a really strange thing yeah, I don't know. As what we discussed that, as we discussed when that statement came out with that PlayStation thing, I don't think we're going to see many design changes until all across game. I think it's going to be several, several years before we see anything that's across all consoles designed differently. Mm-hmm. That's not Sony first party because of those challenges. Uh, they I did, did look the two K games, Bioshock. They did Bioshock ah, one and two, and Infinite are, are coming. coming. Um, Dark Souls remastered on Switch. That was done by them. Outer Worlds was done by them. The Witcher I don't 3 see port was done by Saber Interactive, which just got bought yeah. by THQ Nordic. Yep. So, yeah. so don't expect to be left behind if you're just a Switch owner, a lowly Switch owner. And you don't have Yeah, still else. not clear to me how, but if he says he's got projects lined up, he's got projects I hope lined it's, up. So. I hope it's Resident Evil 7 Cloud version, and you fucking <laughs> have to go, no! That wouldn't make any sense from them, but okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> they would do know. a cloud version. <laughs> Next up, you're right. I third don't know. Third-party quest log. I'm John Snow. Resident I know Evil. Nothing. There's a rumor that Resident Evil 8 is to debut in 2021 and will be completely first-person. Says Chris Carter from Destructoid. Um, this is kind of a, a long Twitter thing that I want to read through in its entirety, and then we can discuss it. But it's a Twitter user, Aesthetic Gamer, who has released many Resident Evil leaks recently, and also has the following to say. This is him on Twitter. Okay, so the little game is done. This will be breaking this month with more details later, not by myself, but I've needed to clear some stuff up. Resident Evil 2021 is Resident Evil 8, but it hasn't, but it wasn't always RE8. During most of its development, it existed as Revelations 3. The reason I said RE8 was years away earlier this year and is last year and RE8 was in development, and that one is years away. But Capcom didn't want a huge gap between RE7 and RE8, so it, that title got pushed to the side for now, and internal testing and such was super positive on Revelations 3. Revelations 3 was received a lot better by testers internally, etc., than they expected, so that game's been given an additional year in the oven to convert itself to RE8. The ambassador leaks about werewolves and Ethan in a snowy village are 100% true, but they're outdated info. The game has been going through some huge changes to make it more like a mainline title. Big changes to the story, characters, etc. So specifically what you've heard may not be fully true in the final, but a number of elements remain. So as I've said, it's a cross-gen game. Should be revealed within the next few months. It is first person, and many purists are going to hate it because it's taking some serious departures in the story slash enemies and the like. Hallucinations, occultism, and insanity, uh, and not being able to trust others are huge thematics of the game. The rest I'll leave to be revealed later this month, but the game I am incredibly excited about, and I suggest those weary should be open-minded. Those who played the game near-finished as Revelations 3 think it's terrific. It'll probably be a high-quality game. And then for one clarification, I do not know precisely when the game will be revealed. I do know that the original ideas was it for to be revealed at this E3, but of course that's not happening now. The, latter, the later 
this month commitment is something different than an official announcement. A lot of things. Culmination of a few different rumors a lot that we've heard things. in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your what are your thoughts on this? That it's starting as Revelations three and then turning into RE eight. My if I were to put on my Holden hat, I would say this wasn't planned to be RE eight from the beginning, and they're converting something else to it. There's no way it's going to be good. <laughs> what are your actual uh, thoughts? I never played a Revelations game, so I don't really. I don't know what those are like. I know they're more third-person oriented, and they tend to harken back to survival horror as opposed to kind of more action-oriented. They were I know also that originally much about Revelations. The second one was the first one was just a 3DS was game, it? actually. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, it was a 3DS game, and the second one, yeah, it was like a it was episodic, but well, that wasn't taken very well by people. So I'm assuming that they didn't plan to do that anyway. Um, yeah, there's a little part of me that kind of goes, it wasn't intended to be RE8, so like, does it deserve that? like nomenclature to have like the eight at the end and say this is a new entry a little bit yeah um i'm mostly interested in the the fact that they're returning to first person that they seem to be sticking with that and yeah it's interesting to me because i loved re7 nothing against re7 at all i feel like people now have this image of third person resident evil and this excitement about third person resident evil because of two and three especially two it's about where I think we even agreed on this earlier that we would both rather see a third person. Like we really liked seeing Leon walking around, and and like that the character of Leon sticks out more than either. I forgot the guy's name was even Ethan in Resident Evil Seven because I just didn't think oh, of it yeah. as like. Oh yeah, well I thought the of it. Think about that it. Is I thought of it as me, and I was like, yeah, exactly. I play, of course I played it in VR and first person. Yes, yeah. like the the idea is to make it think that feel like it's more immersive and it's you. Um, but I like it. I like that it's both. I like that we can have both. That we can have really cool mm-hmm. third-person advancements and ones from the past that a lot of people haven't played but now can experience again. And I love that we have the first-person ones that are new and doing something different completely from the rest of the series. I like that we can have both at the same time. Porque oh, yeah. no las dos. I'm also interested in the the ambassador leaks about werewolves and Ethan and a snowy village are 100 percent true, but they're outdated info. Does that mean that? That is going to be in what will now probably be RE9, the one that was originally RE8 and is no longer RE8 because Rev3 is now RE8. There's a lot going on there. I read that all as, and, and we, we, I think we reported, not reported, we, we talked about a story uh, We reported on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I read that all as like that all was existing at one time. And when I leaked it, it was true, but now that's all been scrapped and, it's, and they've, they're redesigning the game instead. I'm that's cool how I read it. not having the yeah I'm not all right. the werewolves thing was always kind of strange to me because I again I don't have a lot of experience with Resident Evil, um but that doesn't seem very Resident Evil to me to have werewolves. There has to but be t- there has to be zombies, there has to be dogs, there has to be some kind of plant based monster, and there has to be some kind of big giant fleshy amalgamation of disgust. Yes, that's Resident Evil. If they were to have another, like, chases you around kind of nemesis, like, I'm going to say Mr. X because he's the better version. Mr. X-like character. I guess a werewolf would be kind of cool, but does that feel Resident Evil to me? I don't know. I'm a curious, I, I just to see this game, honestly. I like yeah. Resident Evil now. I, I would consider myself a Resident Evil fan, even though I haven't played most of the games in the, the series. I've kind of played just the most recent ones. But I'm, I'm curious. I want to see what they're doing. one, two, three, and seven. That's more than half the games, Holden. Half no, the I never beat games. one. I never beat one, remember? Yeah, but we both played it. 
So I heard from you, and therefore I know everything. We both played it, and didn't you? I watched the ending on YouTube, or watched whatever I did, I did play on YouTube. Yeah, I watched the ending of it on YouTube, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we played um, it. We played it. <laughs> so, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I have a lot of questions still. I feel like for this like big kind of leak on the game, I don't think it really says that much. Um, he even says in here, like, you know, I didn't want to talk about it myself because it's going to be revealed at the end of the month. Oh, but I don't really know if it's going to be revealed at the end of the month at all. Yeah. Because they're going to do it at E3. Like, there's just some weird things in this, in this. But um, obviously, I think that timeline makes sense of it coming out next year, considering how long it's been since RE7. I don't think the people making who made RE2 and RE3 made RE7. I'm pretty sure that those are different teams. So I think it's, this is feasible. RE2 and RE3 are like. different teams as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just curious. Curious what if we'll hear anything this month or not. I have a lot of questions, Chad. Who knows? A lot of questions. If if we do, he was right. If we don't, he's like, oh, well, well, I said it was like they were going to come to E3, so. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, we also have a report. No online E3 2020 digital event. The ESA has failed to pull it together, says Chandler Wood at PlayStation Lifestyle. Uh, this hasn't been officially confirmed, but I've seen several articles about it over the last, like, five days. Um, yeah a lot of them are like a lot of them are from several days ago and they're like we expect it to be out probably by tomorrow morning and then like tomorrow morning comes and nope that's several days later it's like they're really trying to hold off on telling this but um yeah yeah again it's not officially announced yet but it probably you'll probably see it in the next couple of days even probably before this posts which is sad but it is sad and in lieu of all of that which we'll get to in a second is a lot of other people doing their own shit um the E3 2020 virtual event pitch reportedly was rejected by publishers, says Aminicon, at PlayStation Lifestyle. So E3 wanted to pitch something for the digital event, including uh, working with Andrea Renee, uh, Matt Plus Low Creative, Twitch, IGN, and Mixer, uh, but that was rejected by a bunch of places like IGN. Uh, and then, yeah, what stands out is that IGN, who's been with ESA a long time doing all sorts of events there, and they essentially told E3, we don't need you. And they started their own thing. So coming this up is this the summer, big news here. <laughs> yeah. So starting this summer, IGN has its own summer of gaming thing. And it's not just a few days in June. It's going to be all summer. And they're partnering with Square Enix and Sega and Bandai Namco and Amazon and Google Stadia, Twitter, Devolver Digital, THQ, Nordic, and others in a digital event. Um, that's going to that's gonna take a huge hit for the ESA. And on the heels of that, ESA also just announced a reimagined E3 experience for next year, dated June 15th, 15th through the 17th. Uh, and then an update for Bethesda. They will not be doing anything digital with anybody as a replacement for a T3 show, says Joe Scribbles on IGN. I have never been on that train of E3 is doomed and E3 won't exist in a few years. And that if this, yeah, this that's changed. I feel like... This is a really bad thing for E3 as as an event. Um, I think, I, the, yeah, this this is going to be a, a big hit for E3. Big hit in a bad way. And then it's going to be a big yeah. hit in a good way for IGN, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. really, I'm kind of concerned that IGN has what seems to be exclusive partnerships with all these publishers. What about GameStop? Games, God damn it, GameSpot. What about <laughs> what about DualShockers? What yep. about all these other sites out there that would normally go to E3, be able to report on all this stuff, and now they're just like, uh, everybody go look at IGN's site. We get all of our shit from IGN now. I kind of hate that a little bit. I I can see where that's coming from, and then I 
I mean, that's not to get too political here, but think about it, like presidential debates. It's always like CNN is hosting this presidential debate. If you want to watch that presidential debate, you have to go to CNN for it. You mm-hmm. can't go to ABC. You can't go to NBC or those others. But eventually, like ABC will get their own debate. And I think that this m- could set a precedent for GameSpot to say, hey, um, we'll just say in this case, uh, hey, Sony, I saw that you... Uh, we saw that this event with IGN re- went really, really well. It was able to reach a lot of people. Do you want to do something with us for that? And then maybe this kind of sets a precedent that other outlets can start doing the same kind of thing. That'd be a good outcome. But if it does turn out where like IGN has this grapple hold on this kind of event, I agree. Absolutely. That's not great because they have this immediate access to that information and we can report exclusives throughout the summer. Right. Not throughout just in summer. like a week. And yeah. that includes not just information, but hands-on demos and all this kind of stuff that they're doing at IGN that the GameSpot people don't get to get hands-on. We don't. If I yep. really want to hear what somebody over at GameSpot says about so-and-so game, I just have to listen to them report about what IGN said. And I was like, mm-hmm. that kind of sucks. And that hurts, that hurts the consumer, because one of the great things about E3 as an event, or that kind of style of event, is IGN gets to interview that developer and ask their questions and get their insights on the game. GameStop gets GameStop. Damn, I did it See? too. GameSpot See? gets to do it. Destructoid, like Kotaku, all of them get to go out ask their own questions because that's that's the beauty of having multiple choices is that you get multiple perspectives, multiple insights. Someone who's a super fan of Final Fantasy VII uh, might not work at IGN. Although that's probably unlikely. Uh, like. They might have someone who's a, a, a specific authority at one outlet that's not at another outlet, but that other outlet has the exclusive to Square or to Sega or Bandai Namco in this case. I don't. That could kind of hurt us as consumers and us as just wanting to be informed on all these subjects. Yep. Yeah. Still cool that there's something going to happen in lieu of E3, though. That's at least you know the, what the I nice do like here. as well. There's normally E3 blowout for like two weeks. Well, like three weeks, because like there's the week leading up where everything leaks. Yeah. But then there's like nothing for like five to six weeks after that. This will be kind of like mm-hmm. spacing all of that out over the summer, which would be nice. Very nice. Uh, final thing oh, on our thing. third party quest hog. Go hold one it more, before we get to that. One guy. more thing. I was I had this like I never mentioned this in the podcast. But I always had this thought of like, oh, we haven't seen Starfield yet from Bethesda. Maybe that's just because it's going to be a launch or very close to launch title on next gen consoles, and that's why they can't talk about it because it's going to be on those consoles. I guess not because they would have been talking about it this year, <laughs> probably an E three style event. So, yep. uh, yeah. Which is probably Last story. Haven't talked much anyway lately at E three. Go ahead, sorry. Sources say, despite huge sales, Borderlands 3 developers are getting stiffed on bonuses, says Jason Schreier at Kotaku. So you know it's true. Um, (laughs) So Gearbox, who develops Borderlands, has a unique profit-sharing model where instead of paying, they don't pay their employees at like an industry standard rate. They pay them below that, but what they do allow them to do is profit share. So 40% of the profit gets divided among the actual employees themselves. 60% 60% gets taken in by the company, and they get to share the profit from the game, which is kind of cool. Uh, and that's really, really great for when you have giant games like Borderlands 2, but after a couple of releases like Alien Colonial Marines and Battleborn, uh, they did not get a ton of money from those as part of it. Uh, they were looking forward to Borderlands 3 last year, and they it sold, it did really, really well, but Randy Pitchford, the CEO of Gearbox, broke the news to employees that the bonus checks would be significantly lower than they hoped. Uh, this seems to be the result of the company growth, inflated game budget due to switching engines mid-development. They went from Unreal 3 to Unreal 4 in the middle of it and caused a, uh, a lot of costs. And then contracts with 2K mandating Gearbox only receive royalties once the budget had been paid off. Uh, so that sucks for a lot of people. They were 
there were other things in the story that like when people when Borderlands 2 finished, people were literally buying houses with the the profits that they got, the profit sharing that they got from this. And they were expecting something kind of similar to this, like numbers in the three figures, or sorry, in the six figures. And uh, it looks like that's not going to happen for these people. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts first on this? Because I talked a lot. I feel like I've talked a lot more than you. This, this I podcast. think this is this is just the risk that comes with that type of profit sharing model, and it's it's. Yep. They had to expand to make a bigger game, and they did. They made a bigger, better game, which is really cool. But that's what comes with it. Um, mm-hmm. We'll talk about this once again. Randy Pitchford should not be allowed to talk <laughs> to anything public facing. Uh, his response to it was it, like he literally said, "Well, if you don't like the way it works, you can quit." Like, uh, as it's CEO like it's of the true, company, but you, it's, you don't say that. <laughs> right, right, right. They already Someone, know there should that. Be a PR yeah. person with a taser next to him. Um, <laughs> he has like the electrical suit like attached to him, like wires that feed like under like the back room, and or just, just like a like, dog collar, just zipping. Yeah, just dog collar, just absolutely. the shock collar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, it's 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 really cool when that works out in your favor, and then when it doesn't, because you guys had to spend a lot more to make this game. It it, it kind of is just like that's that's the risk you take when you when you sign up for this. It sucks that you didn't get what you were expecting, especially if you like proactively mm-hmm. spent some money hoping to get that much and that you thought you were going to get yeah. that much but it's a risky take it is risky take i yeah so this is what i agree like it i think this isn't as much we've heard a lot of stories in the past year of bad management practices and things like that i think this is a good practice to do the profit share but like you said yeah. like it comes with this consequence and it's just it's not so much that like a manager was like fuck you like i'm taking the money it was just more that it just didn't work out. Um, I tried to look into what uh, Take Two Games, who uh, is the kind of parent company to all this, what their kind of quarterly profits were saying, what they were saying during their earnings call. I couldn't find Q3, but I did find Q2, which is like a few weeks after Borderlands 3 came out. And at that time, they were saying that the game had exceeded their expectations. I don't know how that played out afterwards. Did it like exceed their expectations like Animal Crossing super well in like the first week and then dropped off 81% like and that could impact here. I can totally understand that, but I don't have like the information to know if that's true or not. I think the other important thing to know here, I I've heard this get mentioned um the that they make less money than the industry average. I've lived in Plano, Texas, which is the next town over from Frisco, Texas. So I know Frisco, Texas. I've worked in Frisco, Texas. And let me tell you, it's really cheap to live there. It's a really nice neighborhood. Great neighborhoods. And it is definitely a very, very affordable place to live. I'll put it this way. When I moved from working in Frisco, Texas, and I moved to Providence, I got a 50% increase in pay because of the differences in cost of living. Whoa. Yeah, so like when they're making less than industry average, I'm I don't actually see that as a bad thing. That's probably just them accounting for that market as opposed to where a lot of other companies are like Santa Monica and being in California where you have to pay your employees a, a lot more. So I think these people are are doing fine, but it definitely sucks that this happened to them. I'm not saying that it doesn't suck at all. Another part of the story that I I want to like caveat is um it's in the article. I didn't put it in the note. I'm sorry. That Randy Pitchford got a 12 million dollar bonus at the start of Borderlands Three, 
And but that came from the sixty percent, not the forty percent that's supposed to go to employees, which makes right. it a little bit better. I just consider that another thing with um just CEOs and retaining CEOs because it's really hard to find people who have that kind of work ethic and can get results in an industry that's hard to get results from because it's so subjective. So like I think people might look at that and say, like, oh, those dirty CEOs who make so much money. And I'm like, this is a different industry and it just works a little bit differently and you have to retain these people. It Does it suck that it's he like got $12 when, million? Dollars? It's Go like ahead. when Robert Downey Jr. gets paid like an extra $40 million to be in Avengers Endgame over everybody else because like, you gotta keep Robert Downey Jr. around. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so is that, and there's one more thing as well. Um, this, oh, that's what it is. This reminds me of last year when Activision announced record profits and also laid off 800 employees. Yes. They're like, oh my God, we're doing so well. Bye, everybody. Yeah. And in that case, it's like they did do really well. And like Borderlands 3 had record sales for the franchise, but they thought they were going to do better than that. So if you thought you were going to get 100 on a test, but you got a, a, a 90, 90 is a great score. But you were expecting that hundred, and that's going to change how you react. Yep. So it's just this one of those things where life can be shitty sometimes. Yep. It sounds so heartless for me to say. <laughs> it does. It does. It's, Don't say that to but these it's, poor people. <laughs> uh, not moving poor people. on. They're great people, and they live in affordable They're great areas. People. They're great. Uh, here yeah. we go. Moving on. Before we get to our main quest, I want to tell you about Affable Idiots. Affable Idiots is the new brand under which. All of this lives, Respawning Fire, and also with you, and more to come. Uh, by the way, if you are interested in any of it, and also with you, we played a really fun game today. You're going to see a version of that game today in this. Get ready. Um, there are a couple ways you can support us and the rest of our brand. One, we need YouTube subscriptions. We need to get 100 on each channel in order to reserve YouTube.com slash whatever the hook. Uh, and we're like at, I think, 18, I think, right now on this one. We're like at like nine on and also with you. So like, even if you don't, I know there are a lot more of you who listen to this. I see the numbers. If you don't give a fuck, just do this for me. Just go out there. Go to YouTube. Just go <laughs> YouTube.com and then search for us because you can't go to slash whatever you want. And just be like, ah. or go to the description right now, right here underneath where my fingers is like stroke in it. Go there. There's links to all of them. Just go click and then click subscribe and turn off notifications if you don't fucking want notifications. Just give us the, the subscription. That's all we want. Uh, I'm not above pandering. Here we go. Uh, we also have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash Respawn Name Fire. You can go there once a month. You can get a really dope Animal Crossing wallpaper for this month. Uh, really, so really good. excited for that one. I love it. I love it. Get it for it's all your devices. It's beautiful. You can play Game it's Night so with us. There was the Animal Crossing. You could bury things in the sand with me. And Animal Crossing, you don't you won't be able to from here on out because you know my opinion now about Animal Crossing. Um, and uh, you can also, what else do we do? Barf. You can influence Barf. Speaking of, <laughs> this month we're playing Super Mario World Two. Super Mario World Two, Yoshi's Island. Play that along with us in April. Send us your thoughts on it if you've ever played it. If you've ever heard Baby Mario go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the numbers count down. Tell us how you feel. <laughs> I feel like there's an opinion there already. <laughs> what? What? Let's move on to our main quest. Speaking of Super Mario, Super Mario All-Stars 2 might be happening, Holden. Sources oh, yeah. say Nintendo Switch 2020 lineup is dominated by Mario games old and new. This is from Tom Phillips at Eurogamer. Just last week, I was saying 
man, they're relying on third-party support. I don't know if we're going to see anything first-party worthwhile or it's going to be long down the road. Turns out, maybe, for Mario's 35th anniversary, Nintendo allegedly plans to release remastered versions of the following 3D Mario games. Super Mario 64, Super Mario Sunshine, and at least Super Mario Galaxy 1. Maybe two. There will also be a new Paper Mario game, which has been rumored for a little bit, that will be released later this year. And Super Mario 3D World from the Wii U will be released as a separate title with new levels. So, Holden, a couple of questions we got here. One, what are you most excited for? Two, do you think it's going to be a bundle akin to the, the old generation Super Mario All-Stars? you think they're going to be released as individual games? And then, is this enough to compete against next-gen consoles? So, before we get to that, I just want to... You mentioned like what you said last week. I also feel like I need to mention... Call back to what I said last week. Man, that conversation just didn't age well already nope. after one week. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, like, oh, Zelda. Like, they need something big. That, uh, Zelda would make sense. It's been, uh, you know, three and a half years that it was released at the end of this year. Like, that timeline would make sense. And, like, that would make sense. And then I'm like, it's Mario's 35th anniversary. Next year is Zelda's 35th anniversary. That's when Breath of the Wild's coming out. It's not coming out this year. And I didn't even put it together. So, but going to this. Which game am I most excited for? Um, here's the thing: I'm, I'm not a like. I don't think Mario 64 is a bad game, but I'm like probably least excited about that one. Um, don't really, I don't know. Not not my favorite Mario 3D game, but Super Mario Sunshine. I loved my GameCube as a kid, and I never beat Super Mario Sunshine, and I would love to go back to that and play Super Mario Sunshine. But I've also never played Galaxy One or Two, so I'm That's super what I'm excited pumped. About. I'm excited I'm about for all about those trashy, stupid poopy people who didn't <laughs> pick up Mario Galaxy despite having a Wii. Never played Mario Galaxy, which is maybe the best Mario, or Galaxy 2, both of them. They're both the best 3D Marios. Odyssey was great, but I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a Galaxy. Uh, I'm excited for everyone to finally play those. There's so many people out there I know who, I, I don't get it, I don't get it. You're one of them. I'm pretty sure Dallas I'm and Matt also haven't done it. I'm pretty sure, I don't know, my dad didn't. They have a Wii at home. They played Wii Fit for a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited for people to play Galaxy for sure. Super Mario 64, I'm definitely going to go back to like and play a couple of things, but I'll, I won't beat it. I never played Sunshine just because I never had a GameCube. Um, so I'm excited to try that. I, I don't know if I'll beat it, but... I'm also very excited for a new Paper Mario game because yeah. I fucking love Super Mario RPG. I've beat that game like 10 times in my life, and I... To go back, the the rumors about this game is that it's going to be more like the original Paper Mario, which was a sequel to Super Mario RPG. Uh, mm-hmm. I would love to see something like that. And the Super Mario 3D World here is good, but I mean, I have cat suits in it, so whatever. <laughs> so I'm very excited for Super Mario 3D World. Uh, Super Mario 3D Land is one of my favorite Mario games, like hands down. It's for the first Mario game I really like devoured, and I got everything. I got all the star coins. I got you know top of the flagpole for both Mario, Mario and, and Luigi. Luigi. Yep, for all every level, and then I beat that final mystery level that's super hard, but so, so satisfying. That game was great. So good. That I never beat Super Mario 3D World, but I'm like, hmm, I could go back and do that and kind of feel like I'm playing 3D Land again, that kind of style of Mario game that's only been done those two times. So I'm excited for that. Um, I'm excited for that one as well. Chad, do you think they're going to be a bundle, though, or individual games? Ooh, here's the thing. I can't see a bundle happening. I can't see a bundle happening. They can make so much money. 
by mm-hmm. selling these 30 40 bucks a piece. Hell, we know we saw from what Captain Toad was I don't know, I think that was 40 bucks, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. But Tropical Freeze was 60 bucks and it was the same game mm-hmm. with just Funky Kong. Like they could make so much money yeah. selling these individually and people would But those buy were Wii U games. People would fuck it. But if especially if they weren't just up-resed versions, if like if they had done some kind of remake type thing for Sunshine or 64. Yeah. Galaxy they could probably just put out as is and with just up-res graphics and people would still pay it. But yeah, I, I don't think they can release this as a 3D collection because those games are so massive and are has so much potential to make money. I feel like, yeah. So I f- there's been a few like speculation on what kind of remaster slash remake it's going to be. Is it going to be... like If it is like the Mario Odyssey engine, but it's actually Super Mario 64 and Sunshine and Galaxy, whoa, whoa, no way great. is that going to be... be great, but no way is that a bundle. No fucking way. But then there's also Super Mario All-Stars 1, which is uh, a bunch of the 2D Mario games, except for Super Mario World, I believe, and that they did have the 16-bit graphics, and they did improve every single one of those games. But that's 2D. That's easier to do. If these games were just like, because like take Super Mario 64 for example, that's a, that's a four by three square game. Yeah, that is. This would make it's not it, a this would make by it widescreen for the first time. Yeah, make it, like if it's just that, and it's still just Super Mario 64 exact same graphics, it's just widescreen now. Okay, maybe it'll be in a bundle. But like you said, they stand to make so much money, so much money by having these as separate releases trickling them out throughout the year building up that mario oh, God, they really did one a, a month? big thing yeah did, yeah one a month for the the whole last half of the year fuck yeah they could make it's 64 sunshine galaxy paper mario 3d world that's five games right there leading up to yeah from june to november yep and considering it's a practice nintendo wanted to have with the switch is every month there is a new exclusive switch game at least they want to celebrate 35th anniversary mario like that makes so much sense but but, like i can see them saying here's the individual titles for like 30 you know bucks a piece or whatever but then yeah if you want to buy them in a bundle it's 120 dollars i can see them doing that because you can buy bundled games on the switch shop they've done that before and you can do like pokemon x and y or not sword and shield they had the 120 dollar pack for them you could buy both together Exactly. I can see them doing that, and they might call that the All-Star Pack or something along those lines. But, I just, yeah, I agree with you. There's no way that they're going to release all those games for $60. Yep. They could charge $60 for each of those games, and people would still buy it. Like, yeah. easy. Easy. Um, Super Mario 3D World, though, here's the thing with that game. Um, first of all, it, that, the rumor is saying it's going to be separate anyway. So yeah. despite those other games, like, that will be and separate. It's going to have added levels, so you know it's going to be 60 bucks. Yeah, it'll be the deluxe version of the game. That game is also um, the it was the intention with that game was making a multiplayer 3D Mario game, and that sounds ripe for some. Here's how the Joy Cons work with like this game, and they can really treat that as its own separate like Switch version where they really tailor it more to the console. Whereas the other games are really just going to be the same experience on Switch. Um, so yeah, I I think we're in agreement. Most likely individual games. Here's the thing, and you have played Galaxy, I haven't, so I'm asking you this. How important is motion controls in Super Mario Galaxy? How would they translate that to It's handheld? nothing you can't map to a button. Okay, okay. It's nothing you can't map um, to a button or a shake of a Joy-Con. Okay, all right. The other thing, and I remember, this isn't anything like official or anything like that, but I remember in a, oh God, I can't remember what video it was. There's a retrospective on Super Mario 3D Land, and they were talking about what their intentions were with making 3D Land on the 3DS. And one of them was, well, you can't just... They tried to like 
putting Mario Galaxy levels on the 3DS, apparently. But the problem was that Mario is so small compared to everything else that it was really hard to see him on yeah. that screen. And on 3D Land, they really had to fix the camera to very specific angles so that you could always see Mario clearly, always see the jump properly. And I feel like would they have to make considerations for that on the Switch, even though it's not as small as a 3DS screen, it that could be a concern if like he's too small on the screen and you're having to worry about these like gravity involved jumps where you're swinging around a planet like what how's that going to translate like, i'm very curious part of i think part of what was probably so difficult about making it that small on that screen is the lower resolution of that screen oh and that's having a really someone good point. that small yeah. with such a he's like he's a couple of pixels and it's like, how do you yeah. identify that as mario um yeah and i think it'd be totally fine on the massive screen that is a switch for a portable system okay okay God, Galaxy's soundtrack is also so good. I'm excited Frick to play yeah. Galaxy. If this is true, I think it's true. I'd be so many people are talking about this. Every outlet, I feel like a lot of outlets haven't just said it. They've also confirmed. Like our sources can also confirm they've heard this as well. There's just no way this isn't true. Um, oh, this other yeah. thing too is I said that they'll probably do like an event because they're gonna need direct and all that kind of stuff. I feel like if this is true and it's in the back half of the year, they could totally just wait for E3 and be like, "Boom, here's all the Mario totally. games," and it comes out like in two months. They could totally do that with this. Is this enough to compete against the next generation consoles, Chad? Uh, I don't think. I, I think this is enough for Nintendo to make money this fall. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. That's all they need. They don't. I don't think they need to sell a crazy amount of switches. I mean, they, obviously they want to, and obviously it'd be great. Um, but I don't think they need to go into this fall saying we need to outsell Xbox and PS5 mm-hmm. with switch numbers. This is going to be yeah. plenty enough for them to be profitable and and make gangbusters. Well, plus because I mean, Sony and, and Microsoft aren't really the competitors for Nintendo. Everyone knows that's really Google and Amazon. I mean, Everyone knows on. that. Duh. Everyone knows that. And now Zoom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so here's here's the thing. Now is that the, the 35th anniversary of Zelda is next year. People have been wanting Wind Waker. They've been wanting Twilight Princess. They've been wanting Skyward Sword on the Switch, as well yep. as the 2D Zelda games that haven't come out yet. Like, ooh boy, like total speculation on my part, but like in wishful thinking. Ooh. But ooh boy. Oh boy, wouldn't that be great to get like this kind of treatment for Zelda games? Oh, oh man, oh, so dude. good. You've already played so all good. of those so many times, though. You haven't played yeah, a lot of these do... Mario games. I haven't, but I would love to go back to those Zelda games. I love my 3DS because I have all the 2D Zelda games in there. Every single 2D Zelda game, besides the um, the DS ones, which I could get, I just don't really care for them that much. I have access to in the 3DS. That's really cool. I would love to have access to all the Zelda games on Switch. That would make it absolutely perfect as a console. Yep. For me. For you. And for birds. Yeah. For birds. Uh, before we for move on to Game on Game Show, we have a subscriber interrogative from Dust Equestrian Hill at Dusty Hill on Twitter. It says, best video game food? Question mark. 100%. Final Fantasy 15 food. Anything you cook in Final Fantasy 15 looks fucking stellar. That game it does. Is on I haven't played that game, but fleet. I've seen the food. Looks really good. I have to admit. This is an easy one for me. The durian fruit in Breath of the Wild. Here's the thing. You find a bunch of those durian fruits. You cook them individually. Uh, not individually. You have to cook them. I can't remember if you have to cook them or not. But they refill all of your hearts 
And then, oh yeah, you have to cook them. They refill all your hearts and then give you extra hearts with just one fruit. You don't have to like make this crazy concoction and put a bunch of stuff in the pan. You just cook that one fruit once and it like gives you extra hearts and fills your health. Even if you have half a heart left, hell yeah, that's the best. That's a, you heard ever heard of superfood? That's the most super superfood I've ever <laughs> heard in my entire life. Move to the side, you, spinach so you and avocados. Functional food. I went for like, damn, that food looks delicious. I can't wait to eat that. You're like, man, that thing's going to fill me up. Yep. Nice, nice. All right. Damn, we are going long on this. Let's try to make this Game on Game Show quick. I don't know if it's <laughs> going to be able to happen, but welcome to Game on Game Show. The Game on our Gaming Show. We play a game called Game on on a Game Show. And a game, 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 game. Hold and close your eyes. Closing them. The year is 2022. The world has gone to shit. All of our military forces are gone. <laughs> Either yes, dead, I'm so depleted. excited right now. <laughs> or they're already out on missions. All that's left are six video game characters that have been transported to the United States by some classic reverse Jumanji situation where they came into the real world. <laughs> and they're all that's left for us to draft into these military procedures. Hold on, we have three scenarios. I've condensed it to only six characters, two per scenario. To try to save time, you can open your eyes now. I got to imagine this still. I gotta imagine okay, okay, this okay. Still. Our first, our first scenario: we have to send two characters, still TBD, to rescue President Culkin's kidnapped daughter. Yes, in 2022, Macaulay Culkin is president. <laughs> our second scenario: we have to intercept a coded message and deliver it to the front lines to stop them from walking into a trap. Yes, that is the plot of 1917, and yes, it's <laughs> happening in 2022. And finally, we have to infiltrate a corrupt Pentagon and take out Hydra. Hydra's right. real in 2022, and it's taking over the U.S. government. You guys share this note with me, man. You guys share this note Ooh. with me. I am about to share this note with you as we reveal the six video game characters that have been Jumanji'd into the world. Hold on. I'm sending you this message right now. I cannot freaking wait. We played this earlier today on AAWI uh, with... Uh, it was a... Uh, Infinite Frontier Edition, so it's all about exploring space. I can't freaking wait. All right, we also did on Affable Idiots twice, and man, little Sebastian was maybe the most impassioned <laughs> arguments was... ever made in a podcast. Ooh, that was heated. <laughs> all right, for those of you watching at home, I'm going to reveal these on the screen. We have, first up, Otacon from Metal Gear Solid. We have the Green Jinjo from Banjo-Kazooie. Kitty Kong from Donkey Kong Country 3. That's the baby Kong that's also really big and very strong. We have Captain Toad. We have a zombie dog from Resident Evil 2. And Terry Crews from Crackdown 3. <laughs> These are the six people left in the United States that can fight for freedom by rescuing President Culkin's kidnapped daughter, intercepting a coded message and delivering it to the front lines to stop them from walking into a trap, and infiltrating a corrupt Pentagon to take out Hydra. Holden, hmm. where do we start? I have, a few, I have two thoughts off the top of my head. One, zombie dog. That might be good for the intercepting the coded message. Because it's a dog. It's a zombie dog, by the way, that's going to fuck everybody up. <laughs> yeah. Good and bad. Fuck everyone up. <laughs> but that message will be got. That message will be so got. But you think you can train have... the zombie dog to bring you the message or get to the right place? 
would you trust a zombie dog to rescue a kidnapped daughter? <laughs> Good point. Good point. Yeah. And then the Pentagon, you don't really, I mean, you got to be careful when infiltrating Pentagon because Hydra's in there, but there's also important things that have got fucked up, nuclear, like, attacks gone awry over the, over the entire world. It can be dangerous. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to put a, a wrench, Jesus, Michael Christ turned down. Um, I'm going to put a wrench into that and say, if we need to infiltrate the Pentagon and take out Hydra. If there were any kind of casualties, like we could, we could afford for something to go haywire and just absolutely fuck shit up. It's the dom- zombie dog, mm. even acting as a distraction while somebody else more capable goes and does whatever we need them to do. I feel like zombie dog would be great in the Pentagon. Hmm. That zombie dog and would it's also not as, going, it doesn't require as much finesse. I don't think you saw require. I did. I don't think it required that much finesse. They were totally good. They could just you saw run them running through the fast. trenches and avoiding <laughs> bullets and being in one yeah. shot. Yeah, and if that if you got hit by any like a bullet or some of that, it's a zombie dog. He's fine, You're right? You just get back up as long as he doesn't get shot with a shotgun or in the head. Yeah, he's totally fine. Totes fine. Here's the thing: is octagon, 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 octagon. O- that's octagon. That's what it is. Octagon intercept. Uh, infiltrate a corrupt pentagon and take out hydra oh for um, sure stealth especially he has the invisibility suit or the the nanotechnology I, that makes him invisible and shit like that and he's a good tech genius of course he's going to the pentagon so i want to write it in right now we'll put him in there Otacon. yep he's in it right now perfect he's good he's taking out hydra green jinjo talk about a helpless piece of shit they can apparently yeah, I'm, fly. I'm, they all come together to make the Ginginator, which is the most amazing giant Jinjo magical machine. But by itself, it's like, help, help. He's just standing on a ledge. Can't even fucking jump off of it, walk, avoid anything. What do we do with this kid? You know what? Otacon has got that Pentagon job done so well. Jinjo, he could just like wait outside in the car. That way, when Otacon like <laughs> comes out, they can just drive out like easily. Like he's just a getaway driver. Here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking Jinjo. We trade him. We do a little Sebastian in North Korea kind of thing. Oh, where we yeah. trade him for the president's daughter, rescue President Culkin's kidnapped daughter, because he has potential. We're like, listen, we've got one of mm-hmm. five Jinjos. You put them together, you have the most powerful thing on the world. Also, he's green. It's the color of money. They're probably holding Done. him for ransom. Or to her yeah. for ransom. Yeah? Done. Let's do it. Green Jinjo. Yeah. Green Jinjo going for the president's daughter. When pairing up with Otacon, we have to be careful because if he's going stealth, we can't put like Terry Crews who's going to just go bananas and like, you got to be careful. As well as being zombie dog can't be there either. Yep. But Captain Toad, I think he can be quiet. He's small. You're thinking what I'm thinking. Small, getting to places. He can't jump though. Pentagon all one level or elevators underground. Exactly. Doesn't need it. Fuck jump. yeah. Otacon and Captain right. Toad going to the Pentagon to take out Hydra. So that leaves <laughs> us with Zombie Dog, Terry Crews from Crackdown 3, and Kitty Kong, the baby Kong that's super strong. That, wrong, that so we, rhymed. Zombie Dog's going to go to infiltrate the coded message then. Because it sounds like we both agreed, not going to work well for getting the president's daughter. He's it's definitely not going to do well with the daughter. So zombie Dog can, goes, yep. Yeah, he also couldn't negotiate to say, like, hey, take Jinjo. He's just going to fucking kill Jinjo. So. <laughs> if we just, if we just <laughs> you get there, like, the door to the plane opens up wherever the, the kidnapped daughter happens to be, and it's just the zombie dog with a dead 
Jinjo in its mouth, guts everywhere. <laughs> like, what the fuck do we do with this? Oh, man. Okay, okay. So, yeah, we can't have him on that. He's definitely got to go on the front lines. Yeah. So then do we pair with... up. We get, So we got we to gotta negotiate. We have Kitty Kong, the baby Kong, and we have Terry Crews to, to yeah. rescue the daughter. I feel like this we got... tough because, like... Terry Crews speaks English. <laughs> he speaks a language. <laughs> He's not a baby. <laughs> we can't send a baby and a useless genie. But the baby can... We, it's by itself. When Dixie Kong gets hit and she runs away, Baby Kong can like go towards the end of the goal. If we point him in a direction and we say, you get there no matter what. He's strong. He's got that zombie dog as a meat shield. I'm saying we send Kitty Kong to the front lines... To deliver the message. The message is already handwritten. He doesn't have to speak it. Yep. Let's I think do we it. Just yeah. cracked th- I think we just cracked this. We did. Honestly, Terry that was Cruz. so fast. Yeah. I want to bring in the other three people and see if we can get them in there too. Uh, I don't have three other people. I don't have three other although people. You said you, although you said you had another three people and you had to parse it down. No, I just time. decided to do six for time's sake. Oh, I thought I see what you mean. Okay. But uh, yeah, that's it for video game special. So we to send to rescue the president, Culkin's kidnapped daughter. We have the green Jinjo going just to act as a, a bartering. We're gonna we're just essentially just gonna give him away, and Terry Crews to intercept a coded message and deliver it to the front lines to stop them from walking into a trap. We have Zombie Dog and Kitty Kong for Dallas, who says nineteen seventeen spoilers. That was literally in the trailer. Dallas infiltrate a corrupt <laughs> Pentagon and take out Hydra. We have Otacon. And Captain Toad. We fucking nailed that. We did. That's it for Game on Game Show. And that is it for our podcast today. Thank you, everyone, for listening. A couple of reminders as you go home and listen to your kids scream or like you sit on the toilet and just have a good poo. Uh, I want you to go to YouTube. In the description, click all the links. Go subscribe to us on all three channels. Please go play Super Mario World 2 Yoshi's Island, even if you're not a Patreon subscriber, because your experience matters and we want to play with you and we want you to have the same experience as us. Awesome. And then finally, if you are interested in becoming a Patreon subscriber, go to patreon.com slash fire. You get all those code wall packs. <laughs> I might have just had a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> you get all those code wall wallpapers everybody and all the previous ones as well and a bunch of other shit that we already told you about so please go do that we love you so much uh until next week here's our usual sign off <laughs> you want some candy <laughs> get in my truck <laughs> I think the best part of that is your eyes were watering <laughs> you're laughing so hard that I can see it so clearly 